Welcome to the Challenge Chronicles. My name is Devin Jordan. I'm with Trace Armstrong and Rob McIntyre. How are we doing, guys? Pretty good, man. How's it going? Phenomenal. Robert? <laughs> it's pretty good over here, too. We are here to talk about episode 5 through 10 of The Duel. We just released our podcast on the first four episodes of The Duel. And I enjoyed these quite a bit. I think I I feel like I developed like an overall theme of like kind of where these five or where these six episodes kind of land kind of in the course of of the show's history and just with this season specifically, but I liked them. Yeah, I'm all in. Yep. They're definitely fun. And it's so weird too, knowing what's going to happen on like the ruins to come. Like so many of the people that are in huge feuds are like all chilling and hanging out and having a great time. It's so funny. Like in one of the episodes before, um, like right when the episode starts, it's Evan and Wes just kind of like fooling around. They're like on the pool table. Um, and Wes is like laying down on the pool table and Evan hits. Do you, do you either of you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like he has the, he has the chalk balanced on his mouth. Wes taking shots out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Wes Wes has the chalk balanced on his mouth. So he can balance a pool ball on his mouth while he's laying on the pool table. And Evan shoots the cue ball off the corner of the table, hits the ball that's balancing on Wes's mouth, and knocks the ball off of Wes's mouth into the corner on the opposite end of the table. Yep. And everyone just like goes crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. This is the this is the only thing that can explain this scene. Boredom and alcohol. Yeah. I don't even think they were that drunk. I didn't say they were drunk. I just said that there was some alcohol fuel and boredom attached. I don't even know how, dude. If because immediately drink, after that, Kenny and Derek and a bunch of them start having like a pro wrestling fight and like staging all of it and are just eye poking and like pretending to jump off corners and like it's it's what happens when you're bored and drinking. Dude, I wouldn't let someone who had had like a sip of a Corona Light be taking a pool cue a shot of a pool uh, pool cue ball out of my mouth after. Uh, they do it. CT goes to Wes and was like, I can't believe you let him do that. <laughs> oh, one, one thing that actually is in the first episode we covered, but one funny thing I saw too was in the description of that episode that we were looking at. It says Nehemiah defeats Kenny and then like leaving Beth behind or something. I'm like, did this happen? Like the description for these episodes is actually like gives away the episode. Yes, it does. And the only reason I think it does is this wasn't like this, the description of the episode from when it aired. It's pulling from like the TV database from my Plex server. And so it's probably getting episode summaries instead of descriptions. That's funny because on this is like one of the first like stretch of seasons. I have most of these or a lot of these on my hard, hard drive. I think I have like from now until like maybe like the dual two. And so all of the episodes for me are the name of the challenge for the specific episode. And I wonder what it actually was in real time. Oh, interesting. This one's called pushover, which is, I don't know if that's the actual episode title, but it says pushover. I know the one that, um, where the Wes and Derek pole wrestle happens is called like the one where Derek goes home or something. And it's like, Oh, I wonder what happens here. <laughs> is that gone too so much? But that was it. That's just that's this uh, episode nine of this season. Oh, okay. There's no way that was the actual episode. Name. I'm not kidding. Look, look it, it is. Up. I'm looking at it right now. It is. 
Until next time, Derek is the name of the episode. Shut up, really? And episode seven is Nehemiah's last day. You'd be so mad. Man, I would be so pissed if I had never seen these and was watching them live and seeing the episode titles before they aired. I'd be like, are you for real? Yeah, I'm not happy about that. That really kills most of these episodes. That doesn't kill it, obviously. But, like, how Trace feels about I Can is how I feel about how these episodes are named. <laughs> that's a good and that's how I feel. That's how I feel about the Tiki Tac rules in this stretch of episodes. And like, we're in the, like the middle of the era of Tiki Tac rules in the challenge. Like we're smacked up in the middle of it. Yeah, and there's see, like, fine with no, I, I would actually no. disagree. I'd say we're on the downward slope of Tiki Tac rules. This is like the peak and it all goes downhill from here. No, like, like Inferno it, three is meh, except for the elimination between Abe and Timmy. There's not a whole lot of Tiki Tac that season. At this point, Johnny Mosley is like commissioner of the challenge competition committee. He's executive he, producing. He is like, <laughs> like fully invested, spending like 24 hours, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year is like working on this. Like this is like peak Mo- Mosley's involvement with it. I really want there to be like one one episode where they call one of these Tiki Tac rules and he steps out with like a 400 page binder that just has all these rules laid out in front of him. <laughs> I want you, you guys to I want you guys to check your Skype right about now because I'm sending you something that I saw a little bit earlier when I googled uh, challenge competition. Oh my gosh! <laughs> what did did a fan of the show put that together? Because there's no way that there's no way, dude. <laughs> I did that earlier today. <laughs> so fair well, for everyone that's listening and cannot see what we're talking about uh, so at all. Everybody. Yeah, it's uh, Johnny Mosley's uh, face photoshopped on the NFL's chairman of the competition committee. Uh, well, I don't know. Somehow we'll try and get this out to everyone. But uh, uh, we have a is. Twitter that we never use, but it, it, we we could we could put it on Twitter. I'll, I'll take. We'll link, let's link to it. Let's link to it in the uh, in the show notes. In, I could do that. Yeah, yeah. I'll do that. do that. I'll, I'll make I'll it like over to Twitter at some point. That'd be good. I definitely don't have yeah. time for Twitter. I don't even have time. I mean, for I, I I probably don't as much either. But I'm at least a young person, so I, I'll manage it. That's true. <laughs> Thanks, man. That makes me feel so good right now. I'm <laughs> <laughs> only good. I'm only over a decade older than Rob. It's fine. The way his head is tilted in the photo, too, <laughs> is like the perfect angle for the way that that person's standing mm-hmm. at the podium. It really is a dynamite picture. Really yeah. is. Good times. Um, so that basically right. gets us into the challenge there. That, that ended the shenanigans pre-challenge in episode five. Oh, that was the start of episode five. It was. Right. That kind of transitions us, I guess, into episode five. So... West on the pool table with Evan is what kicks the episode off. Um, and in my notes, I even say Wes and Evan uh, have a good relationship at this point. And they kind of do throughout the entire course of this season. Even on the Kenny reunion, they're about, like backing it up. Mm-hmm. Kenny talks about how he doesn't really take anything seriously. This is honestly kind of a visibility for visibility spike for Kenny at this point, because at this point in the season, he's been somewhat invisible. So it's kind of a good in- indication that uh, his time may be near. Uh, what else happens? Nehemiah and the Nehemiah and Beth narrative begins. I guess we do want to point wow. that out. Yeah, it's the weirdest. It's probably <clears throat> the second weirdest challenge hookup of all time with Darrell and uh, was it Leah? Is that her name? I think this is weirder. This is way weirder. 
What's the age gap here? Oh, probably 15 years or uh, on Beth's side, because I think Beth was in her mid-30s, and Nehemiah was maybe 22. He was they pretty have, young at this point. Because Beth was on the real world. The, Beth was on the real world in 95, and we're in 2005 here. Okay, so Beth is 51. Nehemiah is 34 right now. Oh my god, that is a huge I, gap. I think the amount of rom- romance going on here is really overplayed, though. Like, I don't think they're actually, like, that into each other. Well, Beth certainly plays it up. I mean, I whether it's... I don't think that each other. There's, like, uh, one scene of them actually being affectionate. I don't know. Is there even one? The one where they're, like, diving into the bed, I guess, that are somewhat affectionate. About, that's about it. <sighs> Nehemiah says that Beth has her back, and he has her back. Beth says that uh, Nehemiah was drawn to her. Nehemiah, this is where Nehemiah kind of tackles Beth on the bed. So what you alluded to. And then CT, there's kind of that moment at breakfast the next morning after Nehemiah and Beth supposedly cuddled with each other in the bed from the night before. And CT like, like insinuates in so many ways that Beth and Nehemiah hooked up the night before. And it's kind of funny. But that gets us into the challenge for... Wait, hold on, though. You guys think that Beth and Nehemiah are weirder than Big Easy and Devin? 100%. Yeah, I still think It's a 17-year age gap, and their personalities also don't, like, align at all. It's just so random. You know what I mean? It is random. It's like Beth had had that long history to this point on the challenge, too, where she was pretty much one of the most maligned villains in the show's history. At this point, like, who's a bigger villain than Beth? There's yeah, no I got nothing. No, no, she's the biggest villain. It's why she kept getting cast. She was the true villain of the show. I even think, like... And yeah, that's kind of why it was... Sorry, sorry to cut you off. Keep going. I was just going to say some other weird ones. I even think, like, Devin and Camilla from Rivals 3 is the wonky. No, that one's not that wonky to me, because I think Camilla the way that she is presented on the show is that she's pretty much down if you if 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 she's into you a little bit. So it's like okay, <laughs> hey, I you know, she'll she'll go she'll go make out with somebody after a drunken night at the club and it really it's just a matter of being there. I just think that's, personality that's wise that's portrayed on the show. Up. I can't even remember what I was going to say. So <laughs> that means we should get into the challenge for episode 5 called Pushover. Men will compete against men. Women will compete against women. There's a large plank that extends from the side of a boat. When TJ signals, contestants will compete in pairs to try and knock each other off the plank. The first person to knock their opponent off the plank and into the water wins. The catch to the challenge is that while you compete, your hands will be bound together. There will be three heats for each sex. The original matches, semifinals, and then finals. To start off with Setting the first round, each each player draws a color chip out of a bag. The two players with the same color chip as each other will compete in the first round. And this is a male duel day. And for the females, if you win, you get a set of Callaway golf clubs with golf lessons. How did each of you feel about this one? Who's giving me the golf lessons, did they say? There was some brand associated with it. I don't remember yeah, which yeah. brand it was. Yeah. It was not Callaway. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was an okay challenge. You know, it goes by pretty quick. It's easy to follow. There's a couple surprises. So you know what? I, I give this a solid daily. 
solid. Yeah, I yeah, love this I, one. I, I like this one a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I really like this. I think there's a lot of good competition, especially for the men. The I was shocked can, at how long Casey stayed on with Jody. Like you would expect Jody to just kind of like breathe and Katie or Casey would fall off. <laughs> but Casey like actually tried and actually hung on there for a few seconds. I was I was pretty surprised. The I think one of the best ones is Nehemiah versus Evan. Do either of you remember this one? Not off the top of my head. It, yeah. it literally lasts less than half a second. And I don't know if that's an exaggeration. Like Evan goes up and does like a matrix move off of him. Like just like rocks him like in his chest and he does a backflip off the plank. <laughs> Seriously, say, go back go back and watch it. You're saying some order CT, Evan, and Wes are the top three guys in this season competitively probably, right? I don't know because you still got Brad and Derek there. Like this cast male wise. I think Brad and Derek just have a little bit more holes than CT Evan or Wes. They have more holes, but I would say those three are the even Wes is I know Wes won the season, but if you want to go physically, I would put Brad or even Derek over Wes. Even though Wes was jacked. I just I was I, I was thinking everything considered. I also Brad is really good in this season. So oh, Brad, really good. Brad, does he end up winning? He takes second in this one. Yeah, he yeah. did. He, and if it wasn't for the soccer thing, he might have won. He beat CT in the roller rink challenge, and he also who did he beat someone impressive here? Doesn't he? I don't he recall. He's big easy in pole wrestle at one at one point. Yeah. Well, he also. I mean, we'll talk. I mean this. I mean, this challenge specifically, oh, he beats Kenny, um, and then he also beats... He beats Evan, doesn't he? He beats Evan, yeah. So, I mean, he has a, a very competitive showing um, in this challenge and overall this season. And even on Duel 2, he had a pretty impressive showing. I mean, Brad is oh, a... Brad's good. Brad, Brad, Brad is good solid. I like, You know, he wasn't in my top six, but man, I'd want him on my team. If I had an option to draft him, I'd probably draft him. He's great I, in... And kind of like the team era. He's like a really good teammate to have. Yep. Yeah. And then even like when he comes back um, and Vendetta's in Final Reckoning, you'd say he is a top tier competitor. Like he's probably after Zach and Tony, the third best guy on Vendetta's. Yeah. I know he's retired, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he came back again. And I really think that he would still do well. He's still in amazing shape. He still wants to compete. So like, you know, if Brad comes back, bring it on. I'm in. I'm in, I'm in for Brad coming back too, especially if he comes back as like still midlife crisis Brad because that was entertaining. <laughs> Robin goes against Beth in the finals. Beth ends up winning, and after Beth wins, there's some controversy because Beth is upset that some of the other girls on the sideline started to give Robin advice before she went against Beth in the finals for the men. It's Derek and Brad in the finals. Derek wins. And we talked about kind of the best competitors in this season just before. And we touched on Derek, but Derek is incredible in this challenge. He is somehow able to beat big easy on this. Who has no joke. Big easy might have like a 200 pound advantage on Derek. I would would have said 150 to 160. How much do you think big easy weighs? And this challenge, they, they is probably say 280. anywhere between they say anywhere between two fifty five and two seventy. So somewhere I in that, that. Range. And Derek and like, probably I, weighed one sixty to one seventy in this. No, season. I don't think he weighs that much. 
Like I No, because how how tall do you think he is? Five four or five five? He's five yeah. five. Yeah, he's so, no way he's one sixty dude. Because because Trace, I'm five ten, as we learned last time. Was that on air where we talked about this? That was about on how air. it was on air. <laughs> that was on air. <laughs> There's a lot of time that gets hazy, but <laughs> so I'm five ten and I weigh like one sixty five, and so if he's five five, he weighs like one fifty. Does that sound right, Rob? I mean, yeah, like I'm five nine and I go between one forty five and one fifty five, and like I'm at like nine percent body fat, so I'm in pretty good shape. But I think how much how much do you think Derek would be then? He's probably about my weight then, right? I, I would have said one fifty five. I would have said one. So he's like he's like one hundred and twenty five pounds more than him. Still, yeah. that's insane, and he's it is still insane. he's able to get under. Uh, he's able to get under Eric and Big knock easy. him off the plank. Who he does also, CT lose to here? He loses to Derek. Derek beats CT in the first. That's round. incredible. Absolutely. I, incredible. I actually think I, I don't. I actually think beating CT is much more impressive than beating Big Easy. I don't think so because this is all about weight. This is all no, about weight and like, balance. I, I think it's about there's a lot of leverage involved. If you look at Big Easy, even against like who does he beat? He beats West, and who is the second person he beats? Well, he doesn't beat a second person. He just loses. Oh, he loses to Derek. To Derek. That's right. But like, what he does against West, his form is just so wonky. And what happens is like West like flips over him and then just gets put right next to the water and falls off. Like, you know, it's I, not I, like I, he just overpowers him. I love West, but West has often made poor decisions and strategy in these games. Like I remember specifically one of the eliminations for battle of the X's with the X battle thing. It's kind of like pole wrestle, but it was the X or whatever. And he tried to do some like matrix spinning move that put him on his back. And then the thing just got ripped out of his hands. Like, well, yeah, that, that's, that's kind of proving my point though. And that big easy is not like that impressive in this. Yeah. Right. Who does yeah, West so, lose to? He's big easy. So like I don't think like his big easy's if you when we get to it it's not even in this set of episodes but his form against Brad is like the weirdest thing I've ever seen in pole wrestle. I don't remember. I would yeah. argue like Eric is a big dude and he's super strong. Like if I was needing him to be my I can person, as sad as that is, like I would want Big Easy going in because he's going to eliminate whomever he goes up against in that because he's that strong. But Big Easy also doesn't strike me as an athlete like at all so i, th- I, think I would he think he's poor coordination like poor coordination in terms of just knowing how to use the body exactly like has. knowing how to use your size versus just having size are two very different things he's one of those people that for he i feel like he always has like a lower probability so he has a lower probability to win a season than most people who are on the show for the length of time that he was on the show. Does that kind oh, of make 100%. sense? No, well, he just Easy. can't run finals. Like, so no there's like, run a final. there's few people that stick around as long as big easy with as low of a chance to win as he does. Yeah. And especially and the- after, especially after he went on gauntlet three, like mm-hmm. his chances of winning pretty much evaporated. I don't think he was ever winning anything, man. Like, there, there's no way. But I he is an entertaining see, character, though. I, get I don't even that. think he's that entertaining. I, I don't want to take too many shots. Like, I've never met. Yeah, him, I know that. So I, I just, I, I think, I think he, he served his purpose on the show because he was a point of drama in the fact that no one really wanted to go into elimination against him because if it was a strength elimination, 
he was probably going to beat you, but if it was a puzzle, you know, you could probably beat him pretty quick, which is why the Gauntlet 3 was such a joke because there was only one out of those four eliminations that might have been a gimme for him. But we'll get to that when we talk Gauntlet 3. I don't, don't want to go too far into that tonight. But, yeah, I, I really yeah, feel I wanna... like the majority of eliminations serve against him because, I mean, didn't he lose a slap fight to Luke? No, he won the slap fight. I thought Luke made it to the final. Did he lose that? Oh, no, you're right. He did win the slap fight. What did he win? Did he win the dice rolling thing? He won the dice rolling thing, but he yeah, beat, like, right. Derek from Cancun or something, which... So the slap fight was between Luke and Big Easy? Yeah. There was Big multiple Easy, slap fights. It was the first time Big Easy had shaved his beard in, like, a long time. So he had, like, super fair baby skin for that. How did you... How do you lose... How did you lose that one? You just tapped out? Or what no, was, no there was, like, a thing you hold. You had a weight in your hand, and if you dropped the weight, then you lost. Hmm. Derek wins for the men, and Beth wins for the women. That gets us into the selection process. And who gets selected here? So Nehemiah is the odd person out in the selection process, and he decides that he wants to go against Kenny to compete in the duel. Nehemiah draws a sender from the cards, which is an elimination match that we've already seen before. After the challenge, after the challenge and before elimination, we get some controversy between Beth and Jody, where Beth says that she doesn't appreciate that Jody and some of the other girls gave advice to Robin and that if they don't cut it out with this alliance, Beth is going to have to start quote unquote taking them out. Jody goes back to her alliance of Robin, Beth, Kina, DM and DM and tells them what Beth said. And that's about it. I don't know. There's really not much that comes from it. I almost wonder why they included that because pretty much most of the time they go completely, they go from the challenge directly into elimination or a lot of times. I this think season. they want to give enough of a Beth versus the quote unquote drama mafia. Story yeah. Thing, I, yeah I would say that's exactly what they're doing is, is Beth is the only villain this season. There's no one else on this cast that is inherently unlikable. Like everyone I, else. CT is like definitely like an anti-hero at least. Exactly. Like he is the punisher to, I don't know. <laughs> oh, uh, and Robin, they also make to be relatively unlikable. Yeah, but Robin's yeah. got longevity on the show, so like she's got her fans. Like, there's not a whole lot of fans of Beth. In this I, I don't think Robin had many fans at all after this season. I would so, have argued after the island is when her popularity waned. She and kind of just she's a really interesting character. She kind of just like spirals off at a certain point. Like up until this moment later on in the show that we'll talk about between Robin and Anissa. Up until then, she's like. In my mind, like a relatively like she's a pretty plain Jane character. Exactly. Right. And then that happens. And then it's pretty much like every season from here on out, they depict her as more and more of a train wreck. Pretty much. Yeah. And I I don't know. I don't know what changed or if it was always there and they just didn't depict it. But we get a We get shown a different person than we had up until this point in the show's history. Basically, I, I, the way I would say Robin's character is, it's basically Julie if she wasn't a Mormon at this point. Yeah, because prior to this season, yeah. like I would say Robin's only claim to fame prior to this point was dating Mark Long on the show. 
and, and the, the drama that went around the speech that in the inferno that's right i forgot the about speech. that oh my gosh the one that put me to sleep we get to the duel for episode five it's a sender and just to go over it quickly again you compete against your opponent at the same time you each have identical kind of not obstacle courses, but a course that you have to go through where you climb up a ladder at the top of the ladder, climb, a, climb across uh, some monkey bars, release your puzzle pieces, climb back across the monkey bars, climb back down the ladder, gather the puzzle pieces that you just dropped from the air, and assemble a puzzle. The first person to assemble their puzzle completely wins. The other person goes home, and the winner gets again a Seiko watch does everyone get a Seiko watch everyone gets a Seiko no, watch or they get Xbox, Xbox. 360. 360, yeah. yeah so can you imagine being the unlucky one at this time that goes into the duel on the rotation where it's a Seiko watch and not the yeah. Xbox oh, 360 yeah. exactly that's, that's, that's kind of like one of the pawn shop or eBay <laughs> no, I'm sure that's probably why West throws himself in when he does did either of you notice that Beth is holding Nehemiah's shirt yeah oh, so weird <laughs> is that the first time this is done because, like, by the time you get to Rivals, like, people are always, like, This is the first colors. season where they started putting names on the on the shirts. Before that, like, Fresh Meat, they had colors and a logo, but, but not there weren't names. names. Yeah, I think you're right. The, the, I, I don't right. even think – were they, like, actual jerseys on Fresh Meat, or were they just wearing – They were they just were shirts. shirts. They were just, like, a T-shirt that had an iron-on logo. I mean, they were just the cheapest crap you That's could what, possibly imagine. These, these are T-shirts as well, though. Yeah. Well, you know what's really better funny? Than those, though. Derek tells a story I, on one of the podcasts. He was a last minute replacement on this season. Like he was just an alternate. Oh, somebody, I don't know. I don't know. He didn't say, but he was added late. And so on the Cyrus. first episode, yeah, I'm everyone else has like a printed Jersey name and his is athletic tape. <laughs> it does. His does look different than everybody else. I think he, I might've seen someone that was actually, don't quote me on this, but I think he might've been Johnny Tanya's partner from last season. Okay. Hmm. I, I will have to take your word on that. I don't know who dropped. I just know that Derek said he was a last minute replacement, which is why his shirt wasn't ready for the first challenge. And they so weird had they wouldn't want to cast Derek at this point. Uh, I think at this point it was That's just that he had been on so many. How, how many in yeah, a row had he been on? I guess so. But I mean, he has Year two words. He'd been on every season in a row up to this season. From Sexist to Yeah. So it was Sexist 2, Inferno 2, Gauntlet 2, Fresh Meat. So that was four seasons in a row. I mean, that very rarely in this era did you get that many seasons in a row. So he goes all the way from there until Gauntlet 3 without a break. Um, no, he's, yeah. not on... he's not on Gauntlet 3, but he's on. Yeah. Um, he's on Inferno Women's... 3. He's not on Duel 2, which is also surprising. He's on the island. He is on the island. He wins the okay. island. So, yeah, he because he finally gets his first win on Inferno 3, which we cover next, next uh, series, which I'm excited about. The lost season for a lot of people. It's probably the hardest season of the challenge to find. Really? Yeah, yeah the no, rest no, of the rest Dude, of I bet this is on Daily Motion. No, it's Here, not. I'm looking right now. If you dig, it is really hard to find this season. Man, I think I have the, this one on my hard drive. Yeah, Dude, it's on Daily Motion. I'm looking at it right now. Oh, then someone's found it and published it because it has been hard to find for a long time. I feel like the the lost episode of the challenge is 
and I'm disappointed that no one that listens to this show has been able to get it to us, is the reunion of Gauntlet 2. That's one of like the few episodes that I've never seen at the show. I've seen it somewhere. Or from the was, early part of the, the show. It was on like YouTube for a while before it got taken down. And I remember watching it because there used to be some message board. No, what linked. it was is what it was is there was like I think and I think we've talked about this before too. They it was almost like they did like as the sh- the final episode of the show aired, they kind of spliced in moments from the re- reunion show, which was about to air immediately after. And they had like moments with like TJ and some other people where they kind of like talked about like what was going on. And that's where the relationship between Jamie Murray and Kara and Montana came out. No, it was between all three of them. It was between all three of them. I thought they knew about the Kara one. And then Uh, if I remember, but see, that's the thing is I have seen. I didn't watch Gauntlet 2 live when it aired. I was in a weird place with school and work at the time, and I was not paying attention to the show, unfortunately, at the time. But I have seen the unedited um, reunion at some point, and if I remember correctly, um, I remember seeing the unedited version of Mark Long retiring the bandana and really? giving it to Derek. So like, it was out at some point, but it has all but disappeared now. Yeah, that episode's fallen off the face of the earth. How would you even go about getting it? Like, if we really wanted to get it, like, how would you even do it? Ask you know Derek I mean? if he has, like, someone probably that is a fan of the show has it on a hard drive somewhere or a VHS tape. I'll say, because I'll say, there is a there's a guy on Reddit that claimed he had the entire like he found a box of VHSs at his parents' house and it had the lost season of Road Rules that has basically been deleted from existence in maximum velocity. And he claimed he had the whole season, and I was like mail it to me and I will rip it. I will post it, send you digital copies. And he never got back to me. Someone needs to, to just put, put the FDIC is not going to be happy with us with these shows. Someone <laughs> just needs to put all of that on a Google drive, post it on the challenge Reddit and just say, here you go. You know, if I, this sounds sad, if I had the time I would do it, but quite frankly, I would need monetary incentive because I have every <laughs> season. So it's like, okay, if you really want it, but I would get sued. So, you know, I don't feel like getting sued right now. <laughs> because, like, what is, like, do you think Google would even do anything if, like, MTV reached out to them and told them to take it down? Oh, like, yeah, I don't think on YouTube, they have auto software now. Like, I posted an episode of our podcast that had a sound clip, and they wouldn't let me post it because of Shut a 30-second audio snippet. Yeah. Which one? Um... It was one of the fantasy episodes. I used a background of a techno song that I had as like a bumper music, and it would not let me post it until I deleted the bumper music. And the moment I deleted the bumper music, it posted. Interesting. All so right. I would say back to the duel. Yeah, back to the duel. <laughs> Nehemiah beats Kenny pretty easily. Mister Beautiful goes home. Nehemiah, or best says, quote. Nehemiah is still here. My tenderoni, in quote. Of course. There's a lot of weird stuff in this, the end of this episode. After the elimination, Beth tries to get into get Anissa to come and do an alliance with her. And at this point, Wes enters into the alliance as well. And this is one of the all-time weirdest alliances in the show's history where we this get... This is definitely Beth, like an out-of-necessity alliance. For sure. Beth, I mean, yeah, Anissa, exactly. Wes, and Nehemiah. 
Yeah. The, we'll see. The, the, it becomes a four, problem the, late. Okay. The four horsemen of the duel. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> well, Svetlana mixes in here too. So uh, which one's one thing Ole I think Anderson? was funny too. So TJ says at one point that Nehemiah had a record time for the Ascender when like four people have played it so far. <sighs> who, who else? Who else did it? It was Tyler, Derek, Kenny, and Nehemiah. Hmm. So. Episode six starts before the challenge. Some of the girls and CT and Brad are wearing wigs around the house that I assume are either from DM or Anissa. And I just have them around. DM and CT. DMs too, because DM brought several wigs this season. This is where we really start to get a lot. This is pretty much where we are fully introduced between or to the relationship of DM and CT. They're dancing with each other at the bar. Beth and Anissa, after we get done with the bar scene, we're shown Beth and Anissa trying to align with Svetlana and tell her that if one of them wins the challenge, that means they're safe and won't have to go into the duel that day. It's not true, though. No. I hate that. Re- I hate that reasoning. In the duel, if you don't win, you might get picked in the order. But even if one of the heavy hitters is at the bottom, they're totally picking one of them. Correct. I think they might pick Casey. Unless they win the – yeah, they would definitely pick Casey. They would definitely pick Casey. But, like, yeah. if Casey's gone, I'm sorry. I'm either going to pick Svetty or Beth or Anissa. Well, maybe not Anissa because Anissa, as I have said, just finds a way to hang around and win elimination. So, like, I probably wouldn't go against Anissa. I the still think el- you push as many chips into your favor as you can. The other alliances have then shown talking about Beth and in a con- confessional – Kina has a big what the fuck moment here where she says Beth is masterminding the game. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Beth is like Russell hands over there. making. <laughs> He's giving away idols to protect his alliance and yeah. double cross people. Oh my gosh. Yeah, what well, The real problem is here for them though. They need to rope in one more guy in this alliance. They don't do it. Well, we there's no the one challenge. else that would. The closest one that might align with them is Evan because here's yeah, the West thing. Yeah, Wes works on Evan a lot at one point. This is the thing that astounded me re-watching this season. Politically, Wes was golden in this season. That's what I always tell people. No one buys me on that. Here's the thing. He was like, in such a crappy situation. He actually worked himself where he looks like he's one elimination. Well, the thing is, is all the people he was on Fresh Meat with because of how well he did and fought – like they did not want to mess with him this season. And so all of them were cool. Like you watch like Wes and Evan are getting along. Wes and Kenny are getting along. Like it's really interesting to think about what would have happened on this show if Kenny and Johanna hadn't hooked up on the island. Yeah, like that's his entire character arc would look very different. That is the number one so this is, question of the challenge for me is what happens between this season and the ruins that makes everybody hate Wes. So this is – my thing with Wes this season, I think no one just wants to go against him in the duel. Mm-hmm. That's what it comes down to. He is consistently yeah, one of the last the guys picked. Say that again. They could just leave him at the bottom. That's what they're doing. Like he's always like I mean, one of the last guys the bottom, picked, but he gets picked still. 
Yeah, by like one of the girls, like at the very end. Like he's probably like one of the last guys always picked before like Nehemiah and Easy. Like him and Easy are probably like one of the last couple of guys every time. So that that's what I think it is. Is like everyone knows that he's like a, a great physical competitor, and like why it was only when the why would you want to do that unless you don't have to? Exactly. Only when it when you had to go against West this season did they. We get into the challenge for episode six called Flying Leap. Suspended 20 feet over water, there are two platforms with a gap in between them. On each side of the platform, there are flags for each individual contestant to collect. The object is to jump back and forth from platform to platform and collect as many flags as possible. The person with the most flags at the end of three minutes wins the challenge, and contestants will compete two at a time, not necessarily directly against each other but they just wanted to have two people go at a time and the men and the women will compete separately this is a female dual day and men can win two plane tickets on frontier that's not a good prize <laughs> it might have been better back then trace it's just no. cheap that's Dude. the thing like Frontier is great if you are doing a weekend getaway and you can carry on your own bag and you don't care about comfort. If you are going on a real vacation, Frontier is about the most stressful flight of your life. Why? (laughs) So I have flown Frontier twice, and it was both times for vacation because the fare was ridiculous. Like it was 300 round trip with like upgrading everything. The service was bad. The flights are always late. I mean, it really just kind of, and the planes are dirty. Um, it just is such, I mean, it's low budget. It's the bus of the air is the best way. To How many people are in the there's worse. There's worse than Frontier. I fly Frontier three times a year because, well, it's a direct three, to Denver, three trips right? a year. Well, they're based out of Denver too. I'm exactly. pretty sure. But so it's you direct, can get a direct flight. Yeah. Dude, it's crazy cheap. So I had to go back for a bachelor party uh, a few years ago. And I didn't get the ticket at the time, but the person who was having the bachelor party sent me this ticket from San Diego to Denver round trip. Guess how much it cost? 99 bucks. Robert. Oh God. I have no idea what airline price is. 125. It was $75. Yeah. Wow. For a round trip ticket. Yeah. And see like on Delta, my average ticket is like 500. Yeah. So I hear you. How many people are in a row on a frontier? Three. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's it like again. If you are by yourself and you're just trying to get somewhere and get there fast and cheap, it's great. But if you're trying to like rest on your way to vacation, not a good look. <laughs> <laughs> My wife has a hashtag that she put on Instagram, like "Don't fly Frontier," because wow. it was so problem ridden both times we did it. So we, I even though it's cheap, uh, I've been told never to book them again. <laughs> Eric jumping back and forth on the platform. Like on this salmon. challenge, looks extremely painful. <laughs> he basically was he like a salmon flopping up a dam. I mean, that's really what it looked like. <laughs> like his arms are by his side, and he's like flopping onto it. It's pretty hysterical. CT breaks the challenge pretty much. He does oh he he well he actually it's funny he doesn't beat Evan and West by that that much, but he the way it's he crazy does. that he doesn't. Yeah, it is because funny. he's to visualize it for everyone that hasn't seen this episode in a while or hasn't seen the episode at all ct is able to jump platform to platform without having to dive on his chest while everyone else to make it across the platform 
has to jump across and land on their chest, get up, grab, grab the flag, and then go back to the other side. CT is literally just hopping back and forth. And the final CT ends up winning and gets 35 flags. And Evan comes in second with 33. And I think someone else either has 33 or 31. But yeah, West had like 31. I can't believe that he only beat him by two flags. It seems like it would save way more time than it actually did. Yeah, this was the season where I realized how underrated CT was in this era. And Kenny had the best commentary ever on CT. I think it was after Rivals One, where he was on Derek's old podcast. He said to beat CT, especially in this era, you don't have to beat CT. You just have to outlast him because he always self-destructs somewhere or he's on a team that self-destructs. I don't think he's underrated, really, though. I think people consider him the best competitor. They do, but it's still astounding to me that his first season was the first Inferno, and it took him until Rivals 2 before he finally won. It's crazy. Like, it really is astounding when you think about how dominant he was to not win. If he doesn't get that ticky-tack rule and gets knocked out of the show, it's He wins the duel. Well, well, I don't know if we can say that for sure. I think it's close. It's CT versus Wes in the final. And it, it's close. West still wins the soccer challenge. And for all we know, that could have just been what wins. I mean, much, it basically did. Brad only lost by a minute and a half. And like, I think with CT, like had, he was actually really good on the final and rivals too, but it's not like his structure would indicate to you some monster in finals. No, he's definitely better in the regular regular yeah, part of the show than than he is a than than he is his eight in the final that's definitely hasn't been his game like he's like good in the finals but like that's not where he excels but I mean, see he's, he's a bigger weird, dude though. he's smoking cigs other than dirty 30 where he was really out of shape like he was at peak out of shape dad bod form on dirty 30 but other than dirty 30 every final he's made since rival two he's won he won rivals two he won uh, Invasion, and he won Invasion by a solid margin. No, I think he, Nelson was pretty close on Invasion. I mean, I would say anything over five minutes is solid. And he, I think he's, he's also like, beating Nelson and Corey, and like... I, I won't disagree. And the, the like, structure on, of dude. that season was kind of wonky. Yeah, the finals all wonky. It's also super it terrible. swimming. They pretty yeah, much, just, they pretty much forced, they forced it so that rookies would make it into the final. Like they literally they just still forced. lost... They still well, uh, lost. The, the format's real well, weird. But, won, but. Yeah. The format of the final itself, though, is real weird. And, like, it's super heavy swimming base, which is the one thing Nelson's, like, real bad at besides puzzles. I, that, I think, like, if you replace those, if you make it so it's a normal amount of swimming in a final, and honestly, like, there usually isn't much swimming in finals, it's, um, then I think Nelson wins. Yeah, it's just interesting to me because, like, I feel it's so weird. Like, for those of you, I'm sorry if you watch War of the Worlds two. Here's a spoiler. Uh, I feel like it's been long enough now. CT wins War of the Worlds two in that team of four, which is kind of astounding considering the way Team UK played. But it really is astounding to me that Dad Bod CT has more wins than Peak Athletic CT here at the duel. He just gets I still set up in unfortunate situations for the most part. I think. I still can't believe we actually saw a another team season of the challenge. You know what I mean? Like I like I almost like kind of assumed that we were just never going to see it again. And being able to have another team season was so nice. Yeah. And and the cast didn't believe it either. The, the, from what Johnny Bananas has said, 
every member of the cast fully expected that the final or towards the final, it would become individual or pairs. And so the fact that it stayed teams affected everyone's strategy because everyone was angling for the eventual split of the teams. And when it never came, it was like, oh, shit, uh, that was a bad decision I made eight episodes ago. Well, resisted the urge. I'll make one more comment quick on the modern season so then we can, I guess we can move on. But I, th- I actually think that's a real problem that they have now is since they do – they had a stretch where they did so many of these twists that were popped out of nowhere and completely affect the strategy of the game. Everyone expected them to happen and then actually like wasn't playing the game. They just were expecting something crazy to happen because it probably was going to. That's a great side trail. Let's actually pause a minute and go down that side trail. So – do you think the gameplay is better on the show when they are when there is no twist that alters towards the end? Like the biggest twist is like, oh, we're actually going to pick the people for the final elimination right now. To me, that's a twist, but it's not a game affecting twist like a format change like they have done or the Redemption House surprise like that stuff totally affects the game. Um, the, the strategy to me is 100 percent better when the cast knows what's going on. I agree wholly and completely. I feel like they need to stress to the cast and as producers restrain themselves from doing that because the show is better when the cast is able to strategize the way to get to the final without a monkey wrench at the last second being thrown. I I think think they overlook a lot with the show and this is throughout areas and in a lot of areas of other shows actually is like watching people be good at something is entertaining and you need to give them the capabilities to actually be good at the thing that they're doing. Like, there's a reason yep. that watching the NBA or the NFL is entertaining and watching, like, an elementary sports, a school sports game is not. It's why I also appreciate Survivor and what they do in reality TV, because the only real season that was kind of a surprise was the Redemption Island, but they made the twist halfway through the season. Oh, and both. so I didn't see Edge of Extinction. I will have That's to. That's the one you're talking about. Well, no, it was the first Redemption Island that Rob won. Oh, I thought you were talking about Edge of Extinction. Edge of Extinction was a fu- like a dumpster fire. Like, they literally did everything that they could to try and have that guy win the show, and he ended well, up winning. Like, the, I was the like, final, in com- go ahead. No, just the final four fire making and um, heroes. But when they initially popped it up, people were not happy about that either. It was the fact that, so it was the fact that he could come back, right? But not only did he come back, I was thinking about this like right before we got on. Not only did they have him come back, the first vote after he came back, they gave him an immunity idol. So he couldn't even be voted off there. So at that point, he only has I think he only has to last one more vote before they make it to fire making. So, yeah, they kind of did hand deliver the show to him. So I know that's a side trail. But like, I really, truly believe that the seasons are better when the cast knows, okay, this is going to be a team season or this is free agents where we might have some challenges where you have to work as a team. But ultimately in this game, you are on your own when it comes to whatever. It makes the gameplay and the political maneuvering way better. And it is wildly more entertaining because – I, I will say this. Everybody knows this probably by now. I like Johnny Bananas. I like how he plays the game. I like watching him on my television. But Wes got screwed on Battle of the X's too. Completely and utterly screwed. He played that game perfectly 
And the moment bananas came back with that battle of the exiled surprise, it completely screwed the season up. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I don't even mind twists if they're, they promote good competition, but the cast should know about anything that's going on. All right, back on the rails. The C, I already said CT wins for the men. For the women, a lot of the women fall off on their first jump. It seems like it's just a little bit too far for a lot of them to make. Jody falls off immediately. So does DM. So does Beth. Casey doesn't even try in DQs. Anissa falls off on her first jump. Robin and Kina and Svetlana all do well. Svetlana, right before they're about to count the flags and after she's already on shore, finds one extra flag in her swimsuit that she didn't realize that she had and is able to give it to the counters and wins the challenge. She collected was, 22 flags. Kena yeah, Johnny Mosley. Well, that's exactly what I was and about Robin to say. Where was Johnny Mosley and his whistle? Because he would never have allowed that to happen. Not for a second. Not it's for too a late, second. bro. You're done. <laughs> Beth is thrilled because uh, someone in her alliance won. And... Casey is the one who is on the short end of the stick in the selection process. Casey decides that she wants to go against Robin, which is an interesting choice because, well, I don't know who else is, who else can Casey? Yeah, who else pick? is she picking? Ke- I think Kina maybe like maybe Kina makes more sense. No, because I, don't, I think Robin's right. no, Robin is the right choice here because you want to pick somebody who mentally might check themselves out of it with insanity. I mean, even though Robin to this point was not considered a loose cannon, like she gets wildly offended when people call her out. And so I would want to take the person who mentally might not check in if they're pissed. Everybody Kina, else on that cast would have showed up ready to go. Keena at least has something of a track record where she won a few eliminations in this season on Gauntlet too. Robin really hasn't done much of anything at this point. Casey draws pole wrestle. Brad says that he she'll be fine. <laughs> Very bad for Casey. That is an that is the understatement of the show right there. <laughs> Beth thinks that if Robin loses, they might be able to convince Brad to switch alliances and come onto their side. <laughs> if if Robin we get to elimination, and yeah, seriously, we get to elimination. Pole wrestle is we've already had this one before, but you pretty much are in the middle of a circle. Each contestant grabs a hold of the pole with both hands, this probably like three foot long uh, wooden stick, and you have to wrestle it from your opponent. And the first person to let go of the stick loses and goes home. And after this, th- th- it lasts 40 seconds. Robin wins. <laughs> this, yeah, this is not Wes versus Derek. Casey goes home. You know what, though? I give Casey credit. Casey actually tried. It's not Ruins Casey who was there to party. It was she actually tried. She was not going to win, but she tried. And that is all I ask in an elimination. You are probably going to get creamed in some cases, but at least try. And she did try. After the challenge. Go ahead. Well, there's one thing here I think is odd. And Kina has a confessional where she says she's like on to the alliance of um, Anissa, Beth, Lana, and I guess Wes and Nehemiah. I don't quite know for one how she caught on, but also what I think is odd, we see a ton of like Wes and Anissa politicking and like talking strategy. We don't see anything from the other alliance talking strategy. Was it just implied that they knew what was going on? What do you mean? 
I just don't well, think like, the other alliance is that interesting. Well, like we see so many scenes of Wes, Anissa, and Beth talking like, hey, when I we were on the list, you know, you pick me, I'll pick her, she'll pick I, Nehemiah. That makes perfect sense to me because eventually West wins the season. So it's a way to build that Wes is aware and building his case to be in the final. Like it from an editing standpoint, it makes perfect sense. So I don't think they're we, sitting on the cutting room floor. Yeah, I don't think we ever get like a moment where the men and the women talk about it. Like we see the women strategize. No, Wes is involved. No, I'm I'm saying on the other alliance. So like yeah, that's what we, I'm saying. Yeah. We we never see like Kina and Robin and uh, DM go to Evan and talk about the selection process. We see the, the women are obviously in an alliance and that's explicitly stated, but we don't see their relationship with the men shown to the extent that it actually existed. And, and I don't know if that's because, yeah, I don't know why they didn't want to show it. To be honest, it probably would have, if I you think, think you have it. to I think you have to go back to the format. It's a 22 or 21 minute episode that is 4 minutes of recap and theme. So you really yeah, only have 17 true. minutes of an episode. Why show the main alliance who's going to dominate the game whereas you know the guy in the minority alliance wins the season? So let's focus on him building his war chest on the way to the final. Yeah, but Jody also wins the season. But Joe, no one was going to beat Jody. Yeah, but you can, we don't know that at this point. Like anything, she can they, be, what if she's an I can against Anissa or something and she just loses? I think they just wanted to showcase the Russell Hands of the challenge at this era. I think that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> at after least the challenge, the Brandon Hands where you throw the rice in the fire. You know, After the challenge, CT and DM are shown talking to each other back at the house. They continue to build the narrative between the two. And DM says that CT makes her feel nice about herself. And after that moment between the two of them, CT is with Anissa and Beth. And really randomly, they like throw in a moment where CT says that he's not sure how he feels about DM and isn't sure if he trusts her, which is completely opposed to other other moment that they have throughout the course of the season. So I thought that was kind of interesting. That could be spiced in from anywhere. Yeah, I was about to say, that's, Devin, your cardinal rule of who knows when that was taken. That could be episode one. Because by this point, CT was way into DM looking at the events that are happening. Even though they could have grabbed that from anywhere, I still don't get why they would have put it in. You know what I mean? Just because it's completely... I think it's to show some like hesitancy in the relationship. I yeah, it's building that could drama. Be true. It's drama. It's kind of like... It, it's one of those things where if the season is completely predictable, it's not interesting. So you have to find conflict and you have to find contradiction so that you're quote-unquote surprised when events unfold. So like I, from an editing standpoint, I get it. But from a longtime fan of the show, looking at it in hindsight, it's like, yeah, that's kind of weird. As we get into episode seven, Brad talks about how unhealthy the environment is that they put themselves in with being in the house and not being able to trust pretty much anyone around them. Easy has a random confessional in my notes. I say that. And then next to it, uh, it says he's going in <laughs> because yep. he gets the visibility spike here. Yep. Wes tells Evan that, 
he thinks Derek and Brad are going to try and cut him off first um, and that he might be the next one to go in. And I think this is just kind of a moment where Wes is trying to pull over Evan potentially to be on their side. Evan talks about how in the same conversation with Wes, and this kind of like shows like the good relationship that they have with, with each other at this time where Evan talks about how he's getting paranoid in the house. And I think part of that's just joking. Like he's easily, I think the most mentally stable person there. I don't, I don't know, know, but he, he gets pretty no. out of his wish by the end of this season. Yeah, I was about to say, dude, like this, the duel, the cast has even done interviews about this. The duel is the most stressful season they've ever done that have been on the show. They say the idea of the list and that you're not safe unless you win, because even if you're not the last picked, like they could pick you. And so like there's this level of paranoia that runs through the whole house of man, I've got to make sure that I've got these right relationships or else I might go in. And by the way, by the end of the season, I'm probably going to have to go in at least one time. And that's freaking scary at this point. The challenge for episode seven is a paired challenge day between the sexes where a man and a, a, man and a woman will be partners. Pairs will use a giant swing to launch themselves into the water. The male will launch the female into the water first and then the female will launch the male into the water first and it's kind of this giant swing that's on the shore and you use it to propel your partner into this swim lane that's marked off by buoys and they will swim 50 feet down the swim swimming lane to retrieve a soccer ball swim back with the soccer ball down the blade lane toward the swing where they first entered the water from and put their soccer ball in a ring once you put the soccer ball in the ring you your time is finished and if the ball goes out hashtag tiki tack rule (laughs) at any point in time you're automatically dq'd the team with the fastest combined time wins and if your team wins and you're a female you get a video projector and it is a male duel day and if you're a male and you win you're safe from the duel and this one was okay i love this one that's Derek, weird. I love this one. Derek DQs for the second challenge in a row. I thought this one was good. I, Beth has a funny moment where she barely makes <laughs> it into the lane. Big easy, and it's like that's a no hoper team. Oh my god, it's not a terrible team. It's can right you imagine when and, and Nehemiah? It's like, well, they're gonna lose. Can you imagine when? Yeah, like Easy's obviously not gonna win this, and <laughs> well, Beth like barely gets past the line. The reaction of Evan when she falls through the air into the water is pretty hysterical. That actually visibly, I had to pause. I started laughing so hard from his reaction. Uh, were you surprised Wes and Svetlana don't win this one? I was extremely shocked, and it's Wes's fault. Because Wes is such a good swimmer, he overswam the end of the challenge. And so he lost three seconds trying to reorient to get the ball in the hook. Yeah, Svetlana also doesn't give him a very good like push off the swing. Yeah, but he's still the best swimmer on the show by far. I mean, like he made great time. I Keen, I think is actually. Wait, you said swimmer. You said he didn't get a good jump off the swing, dude. He's flying off of it. He got a good dive. If 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 Svetlana had got him a better swing off of it, he would have gone another six to five, six or seven feet easily. Do you think it just comes down to the difference in swimming capabilities between Keen and Svetlana? Maybe so, but Svetlana's a good swimmer to me. I would actually say Svetlana did fine. Wes overswam when he dunked the ball. He swam too hard, 
and misplaced it, and it took him two or three seconds to reorient and put the ball in the hoop. I mean, they only lost by, like, I think it was two seconds. Well, so they're like also the he, first pair to go, though, too, right? So they probably yeah. Just, just probably some things I'm not aware of. I really think that this was just a victim of Wes got too jacked up and didn't close. Kina and Evan. One thing, dude, sorry. One thing I'd be curious to take, Callie, how many first people to go on a mission where it's a disadvantage to go first to go actually win? Yeah, that would be really it interesting. It hasn't happened often. The only one that comes to mind is Leroy and Adam in Rivals 1. First you would team be able to go and won. That's a really dumb mission, though. You would be able to test that pretty easily, too. Yeah. That's like one of like the few like like stats that they actually keep, like who wins mm-hmm. the mission? What's the order of the mission? But where's our challenge stack guy? We need to email him and ask that question. <laughs> yeah. Well, once I get to this calc two done, I'll, I'll go back through and look at it. <laughs> Can you do a differential equation about it? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Oh my! Oh, sorry. Evan oh, wins. God. Sorry, the Beth dive just flashed across my computer monitor, and it just—it's yeah, not a good look. Woo, man! She—that wasn't even falling. That was just like—I don't know what you call it. It was bad. Evan and Kina win. Evan is safe from the duel. The selection selection process begins, and it gets to DM, and she does not pick Eric, and she says that she thinks Eric may be upset with her because. She did not pick him. And Beth is the last pick, and it comes down to Nehemiah or Eric. Beth picks Nehemiah. So Eric will be guaranteed to go into elimination. And Eric decides that he wants to pick Nehemiah to go against. And did either of you get the Eric quote here? He has a pretty good quote here. He says, quote, Nehemiah is uh, 80% BS and 20% show up. So tonight I'm going to call his cards and let's see if he's showing up. I'm going to be honest, though, on the list of men that are left, he's who I'd pull too. who Nehemiah. Yeah, yeah, easily. I mean, do you want to pick Evan, CT, Wes, Derek? No, you're going to pull Nehemiah's card. Yeah, this is a pretty stacked cast at this point. Because like Kenny and Johnny aren't in their peak shape at this point. And and Nehemiah is a rookie, too, man. Like Nehemiah was going in. Yeah, you is Eva, is Eric like a part? Is he a part of either alliance at this point, or is he just kind of? I don't get it. Yeah, th- I have that in my notes too. I was like, how does Eric get left out here? Like, how is he the? Yeah, I just I don't really. Eric, get what's going on. Eric is not in any alliance. Eric is partying, and the main alliance likes partying with him. And as soon as they get towards the end of the season, they cut him loose. I mean, that's what happens every time he's on the show. I because think they also have too many guys. That alliance, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a numbers thing. They don't have enough girls to pick all their guys. In the I world. mean, it's what Brad, Derek, Evan, and CT. But no, yes. because DM ended up picking Wes here. You know what I mean? So she could have easily picked uh, that's true. Eric. So I don't really get what's going on. That's why I put it in my notes. Like I don't get how. I he mean, gets quite frankly, Eric. I mean, um, Eric and DM have never shown to have any type of friendship. Whereas, no, Wes I don't think DM, they like each other. Actually, Wes and DM, there's at least some side shows where like he and her are talking at like breakfast or something. So like, no, they they actually they're actually really good friends at this I, point. I, I knew they were, but like from the show standpoint, you never saw DM and Big Easy ever interact. Whereas there's a couple think... of scenes where you see Wes and DM interact. What? I don't even know if I want to bring this up. What girls does Big Easy have like a decent relationship with? Besides Devin? 
Katie. No, like I mean on the show at this. Katie point. Doyle would be the only one yeah, that I, I would point Katie. to. Well, I was thinking. Yeah, I was thinking. I don't know. It's there. it's really tough. It's really tough to tell when you like start to get into like the micro interpersonal relationships. I mean, yeah, yeah, because we don't get enough much, content. And so much, pro- so much is probably off screen stuff too, just like showing well, appearances. Well, that's together. the thing people need to understand about the show too, and this is like a reality show thing. Like an episode of the challenge and the duel covers maybe a day and a half at this point. Wouldn't you say? Cause like they do the challenge and the elimination the same day. So you're seeing the night before the challenge and you're seeing the day of the challenge and you got 22 minutes to cover 36 hours. Okay. So you're seeing less than 1% of what occurred. So it's really hard to judge Unless the editors choose to show you, you have no idea what these relationships are. Eric draws I can from the elimination deck. We get to elimination and to describe briefly what I can is is there's a a crate that they fill up with their desired objects and the the first elimination where this occurred, it was watermelons between Tyler and Johnny, where Tyler won. Today it is just logs, and each person has to go back and forth uh, between Nehemiah and Eric and pretty much say that they can lift a certain amount of logs, right? Uh, So Eric would say that he can lift 60, and Nehemiah would say that he can lift 61. And if it gets to a certain point where you think that the person that you're going against can't lift the amount that they said that they can do, you say, all right, go ahead and do it. And if the person who attempts to lift the uh, crate cannot lift the crate and hold it up in the air for five seconds, they go home and you stay. But if they do lift it up for and hold it for five seconds, they win. And I, we, I don't, I, I'm sure we talked about it last time, but and I think Rob would be on the same side as me here. Anytime where you have an el- elimination where both people do not compete, it's a terrible elimination. Oh, it's a, it's and a you can one. include me in that. I this is the who, worst. Who elimination. likes that? Whoever likes that can stop watching the show. Yeah. M- email don't. email us if you have a compelling compelling argument about why you enjoy that style of elimination, or I if you will... enjoy I can. If yeah, you enjoy I, I can and you have a serious argument, I don't want a satire argument. I want a real argument. If you have a real argument, I will Skype you in and we will talk to you because, my God, I cannot for the life of me hear a solid argument for why this is a good idea. So email us at the challenge chronicles at gmail.com. Let us know. Like, here's how bad I hate I can. I would rather rewatch pop culture bike jump than this hot garbage. Also email us if you have a, uh, if you think that you actually know what happened in walk the line or no shirt off my back. Wait a minute, wait now. a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We did figure that out, but it took us no, we're, five minutes to do it. That's what we're, we're, 90, we're 90% sure that we have it. We're not a hundred percent sure. I would not, I would not put my life on the line that we know okay. what, what was supposed yeah. to happen in that challenge. Here is my plea. And I know that they know our show exists. I want to talk to Derek Kaczynski and I want to specifically spend 10 minutes talking about that challenge and see if even he can explain what the heck happened. In Dude, that there's episode. no way anybody from any of the uh, cast members remember that mission. No, it was like, it was like 15 seconds long. There were 15 years ago. <laughs> yeah. So for, so for the people that are listening to the show that may have no idea 
what we're talking about with walk the line. This was in probably like our first back? shirt off my back. Shirt walk off my back. Line. Excuse what me. Walk the line. Please it's, watch the Johnny Cash movie. It's fine. It's the it's the same it's the same challenge because they're on the balance beam for whatever reason I think that challenge is called walk the line, but (laughs) it's a challenge from Inferno. They all do a close watch on their heart in the process. It's fine, and it's absurd. So go back and listen to that episode. I maintain here and here's a here's a super secret thing. So there are people that have listened to this show that are friends of ours that checked it out that don't know what the challenge is. And the friends of mine that have listened to that episode says that that is the funniest thing that we have ever done. So if you're looking for a good giggle, go pull up the Inferno 2 episode of this podcast because we spend 45 minutes losing our minds trying to talk about this episode. Which episode is it in? Is it the first we're talking? It's either part one or part two of Inferno 2. I, I will I will put it in the show notes. Uh, go back and listen to it. It re- I actually re-listened to it again recently that might be our finest hour as a show. Like it really is. I, I might've been a little tipsy at the time, which shouldn't be that big of a shock to the rest of our listeners, but it really is hilarious to listen to us, try to figure this thing out and break it down and watch We're already glad ending our own show from like six episodes ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was like six months ago though. Was, no, it wasn't was it? Yeah. That, that, that works out for our time. It was how crazy, ago. how crazy it is it that in like, a month in April, we'll we will have been doing this for two years. That makes sense. You know what's really <laughs> weird is like we had like such huge gaps at the beginning of the show, but like in the past six months, we've released more episodes in clumps than we ever have. It's really weird, but I love it. But at the same time, like we've got a lot of really good momentum, and I'm sorry, we're going down a big rabbit trail here. But to the people who gave us the amazing iTunes reviews, seriously, thank you. It really helps us out, and it was really touching for me to read what you guys said about the show and how much you're enjoying it. So thank you guys for supporting the show. Um, we're glad you're enjoying it. We do this because we love the challenge and love talking about it. So uh, if you guys are getting a kick out of what we're doing, and apparently we're still huge in Sweden. So good times, all you Swedes. Yeah. We're going to have people replying with like the picture of the white rabbit from the Alice in Wonderland to these uh, podcasts at this point. <laughs> 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 all right oh, i got nothing there let's 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 go to rafty race <laughs> no hold up we got the oh, elimination no. we still need the elimination oh, we don't need to talk oh come that. on big easy wins ah. so big easy he, wins they go back and forth he he lifts up the logs they get to the point where they max out the number of logs in the bidding process to where it gets to 165 logs and they don't have any more that they can go up to and i'd be That's curious if actually to me lighter than the coconuts or the watermelons whatever the hell it was was it coconuts or watermelons i don't know who, who watermelon it would be it was watermelons okay the wood was way lighter than the watermelon because it'd be, trust me. See, it'd be interesting to see if nehemiah could actually do the 165 because at that point it's just who can get up to the max amount of weight first and I'm then you're the Knowing like, that a block of wood is maybe three pounds, I would have just the first bid. I would have said I could do all of them. I would have just done it. I mean, but I don't even know that was a rule though. It just says bet what you can. I would have just come right out of the gate and said I can lift them all. I'm not happy with you. Yeah, I'm. That's why this challenge. This is why this elimination sucks. I'm sorry. The fact that in one bet you can just say I can do it. And you got a 50-50 chance, it's garbage. 
after the challenge or after the elimination, Beth and Nehemiah are shown together. They say their goodbyes. Beth is sad. DM says that the girls are now going to go after Beth, especially now that she doesn't have Nehemiah. I don't really know how much of a difference that really makes anyway. They were going yeah, after her before. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I was going to bring up, too. What, what's the difference? Nehemiah's going to come like, on a rampage? Because Nehemiah was such a political mastermind in this game. Was he, Nehemiah... He's actually like, doing stuff. Was Nehemiah actually Russell Hans? Uh, I think Nehemiah was part thing, of the okay, Here's the thing. I think Nehemiah would be an awesome dude to hang out with in this show it still boggles my mind that he's a challenge champion. Like it really like Nehemiah. That's the thing is I like the guy. I think he's probably a nice dude and he's a dude that I would love to sit down and have a beer and a conversation with. But like, he's not at the top of my draft list at all. I think he's fine. I I don't think he, I think he's not like, he's not the, like, I think he's a better winner than a Rogan. Or D. Uh Episode eight begins. No, come on. I would. He's a way worse winner than Rogan. No, no, no. no. The worst. No, D's a worse winner than Rogan. Rogan's was political game was. We don't. We don't even talk about War of the Worlds too. We talk way too much about it already. All right, all right. Hold on. We're having another rabbit trail because by God, I want to know this answer. Who is the flukiest winner of the challenge in history? Katie Doyle. It's gotta be like Katie. Katie Doyle. That's the answer. No, it's not Katie Doyle because of the season of the challenge it was in. Oh, it might actually be like Rachel Boyle from like Gone Three. Nope. Who? Sam from Battle of the Seasons 2. Eh. Name me one moment in that season that she was good. She beats Jasmine in the hall brawl. Okay. He were there, Jasmine. Yeah. yeah. No. Episode 8. The challenge (laughs) begins. The challenge does not begin. The moments before the challenge. (laughs) This is really where... um, In my notes I have this. This is really where they start to do like staged moments for the clue when they read the clue because when they read the clue here like ev- like pretty much all the cast members are like laying around in the same room on beds and it, the phone goes off and then they read the clue for the challenge beth confronts brad this is actually good we actually get some good content before the challenge beth beth confronts brad and she heard that wh- what exactly happened here she heard that brad um told robin Beth is gunning for Robin, something convoluted like that. I think that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Beth found out that Brad told Robin that Beth is gunning for Robin. And Brad tells Fetlana and Beth that they need to get their facts straight and kind of. Brad pretty much doesn't want any drama over this. And Beth pretty much comes in there only trying to start drama. And Svetlana gets carried into this and is hurt by what's going on. She ends up going outside and calls her boyfriend and starts to cry. And Svetlana says that she doesn't have an alliance with Beth, which is bullshit. Like like, what the, like what the fuck? Like, (laughs) like it like is pretty much like clearly, I don't know. Maybe like we were betrayed by the editors here and they didn't, but like, they're also, well, they also could have just placed that in from anywhere. Yeah. This is episode two confessional. I'm going to be honest with you. This is honestly, Beth is bored and Beth needed some entertainment and she knew that drunk Brad will just go off. And so righteous Brad is in full effect here. Yeah. And so like this was playing puppet master of 
I want to cause some drama because I'm bored. So I'm going to have to be cast for that, by the way. Good. Solid. She, she's out from a producer's perspective. She's outstanding. Perfect. I would love she's, to have Beth back now, even though she's oh non-factor. No. She'd be a non-factor <laughs> competitively. I want to. I want Beth back just to see the shock on the people's faces who don't know who she is, and then the people that know who she is be like, "Shit, she's fifty-one. I don't nope. care. Bring Beth back." Because the sheer clarity of the two episodes she would be on would be worth it. We get so we get a good interchange here between Brad and Beth, and Beth is Brad is clearly aware that he knows what Beth is trying to do, just trying to come in there and say something or like rephrase something slightly that isn't really true and may have a kernel of truth. It is true. Robin clearly said she was going for Beth. Well, no, that Beth is upset that Brad supposedly told Robin. That's what it is. And Brad goes, I, I, I heard I heard you got a broomstick and you fly around it on night. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> Pretending like that. Like that That's actually why happened. I say drunk Brad is so hysterical on the show. Like, and in, he says everything with complete sincerity, which is what insi- makes it better. Insinuating that that's similar to what Beth does coming to the room saying something that like may or may not be true <laughs> with a straight face. And then Beth comes back with like an absolute fire quote, maybe the quote of the season. He says, he starts telling me that I f- fly around on a broomstick. Well, you know what, Brad, at least I have something between my legs. Mic <laughs> drop. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's whoa. It really is the mic drop moment of the season of like, well, it might not be true, but that is by far the best put down. You win. You know what? Like while she's saying that, she's like smiling because she knows what she's about to say. You know, she like, like thought of that one and was like, oh, that's dynamite. Yeah. And that's the thing. She couldn't have pre-planned that one though. Oh, she totally pre-planned it in the contestant. she pre-planned that? What do you mean? She knows that they're going to ask her about it. Yeah, they are. They know that. She no, knows. she knows that they're going to ask about the conversation between Brad and her. She knows that they're going to ask about the, the drama oh, that happened. Okay, okay, and that's the you. thing okay. is like, this is why a Bananas, a Beth, a Kenny, like all of them got recast as much as they did. Georgia. They knew. No, Georgia's not the same thing. George, George is a great confessional. We're just talking about confessional no. givers. Oh, no, no, no. But oh, I'm talking about I'm talking about confessionals. OK, like oh. Georgia is just funny as as she is. Yeah, she's not calculated. Beth, Wes or Johnny or bananas, Beth Wes, like they all very well have been on the show and know what makes good television and knows what gets them recast to get another paycheck. And so they are aware of, oh, this happened. I'm going to keep this in the back of my mind for my confessional because I know it'll be on TV. Like Georgia is 100% not calculated, but like Wes is. Yep. All right. So I'm going to take a, take a deep breath before I describe what happens in Rally oh, Race. Oh, God. Uh, challenge for challenge episode eight. This is Johnny Mosley's wet dream. <laughs> All right. So here we go. The challenge is Rafty race. This is a gradual elimination where men and women will compete at the same time. The race starts when competitors will, will put on scuba fins on their feet and race down the beach to find 10 pumps, five for the guys and five for the women. There are 13 contestants at the start. So this means that three people will be eliminated at this checkpoint to claim the pump is your own or any other item throughout the race, 
you must pull a tag off the item and it's kind of like a price tag. So once you pull the tag off the item, that item then belongs to you. So you can't just go to the item and start to use it. You have to pull the tag from the item to make it yours. If you do not, someone else can claim that item even after you reach it. After you claim a pump, you run to the next checkpoint to claim an inflatable raft. The first eight people that arrive to claim a raft will move on to the next checkpoint and two people will be eliminated. Contestants will then pump up the raft and swim out into the ocean with their hands to the next checkpoint where they will claim an oar. At this point, two more people will be eliminated. You will then use the ore that you collected to go onto the next checkpoint. And with the raft and paddles in the water, uh, uh, yeah, as you paddle to the next checkpoint, you will collect a key from a buoy that's out in the middle of the water that has the keys. This will eliminate two more people. And the final two people that are left, two for the men and two for the women, will race to the shore to unlock a treasure chest, remove a flag from a treasure chest, and race to the finish. The first man and woman that pass the finish line will win the challenge. And this is a female dual day. So the men actually get a, another pretty cool prize. There's some really good prizes this season. So the men for this uh, challenge, if you win, get a kiteboarding kit, which actually would be pretty cool. And that's and not the, cheap either, by the way. No. What do you think that is in today's dollars? Like 500 bucks? No, more, probably said, like a grand, right? I would have said 500 to 750 would have been my guess. I just looked it up. Seventeen hundred dollars is the first one I saw. Yeah. What? Yeah. Do you think about expensive. it? Do people underrate how expensive some of this? I stuff? saw people. Okay. I, I went on a on a run around the bay today, and there were a few people doing it. Yeah. The so coolest, one of the coolest things I've ever seen in my life is I was driving through um, Oregon in the area where it's very desert, but there's a lot of water, like river or lakes or something. And I saw same. like a I saw like a hundred people kiteboarding at one time. It looked like so much damn fun. Yeah. So um, at my I work at a recreational center, like a gym and pool and stuff, and I teach basketball there. But so I was helping get to an event this weekend, and it was the International Mermaid Convention. So this <laughs> was. <laughs> Why are you? Wait a second. Hold on. This is there's no there's no chicane. This actually is what's going on. So it's a ton of people, usually mostly like middle-aged women, um, who buy these like six thousand dollars silicon mermaid tails and then like compete in events. Um, Where that, is that's this happening? Hold on, hold on. Where is this happening? Man- Manassas, Virginia, for, uh, Freedom Recreational Center. How have I lived in Virginia and never heard of this event? It's well, it's, it's just it's just started happening there. Like they used to have it other places, but now they move here. I would. So go see that for the train wreck that it probably is. It's it's real wonky. It's it's like yeah, it's like these like fifty five year old women. They have like their six thousand dollars silicon mermaid tails they wear. Um, they like sell. They have like all these vendors who sell mermaid themed stuff. There's there's like different competitions. Like the there's one where they like swim through rings. There's like a synchronized dance. There's like a stripping pole competition. There's like all this stuff. Back into the challenge, the race starts. Everyone decides to run backwards to the fr- to start the first checkpoint or to the first checkpoint. And Svetlana, Anissa, and Wes are eliminated. How did Wes get knocked off here? Like what? Like how I don't did think he was trying that much? He he just got dogged by Big Easy in a foot race. Like what's going on here? Maybe he's bad in flippers. 
It's a women's elimination, and he didn't That's care. A, I, I just don't think he, he – he's shown that if he's not like – if it's not for immunity or power, he doesn't really care. See the, rivals too. Yeah. They get to the they get to the second checkpoint, and this is where the tag rule comes into play. Where Derek has a raft, and he's I think actively pumping it up, and then Big Easy comes up to it and takes the tag off and say it's says it's mine now because Derek <laughs> forgot to pull the tag off again. And, where was Johnny Mosley in the whistle? By the way, go to uh, BigDubDiesel.com and buy your Johnny Rule Police T-shirt today. This is, and that's actually real. He's not joking. But we also get a, what else happens here? Oh, the same, exactly what happens between Eric, or Derek and Eric happens between Beth and Kina. And Beth comes up and takes a raft from Kina because she forgot to take her tag off. And at this point, everyone gets out into the water Beth does well because she actually pumps her raft up and flies by people. Easy also does well. Uh, we don't need to go over the rest of this. It pretty much comes down to the fact that CT pulls ahead of Big Easy. Random, Eric actually does very well in this. CT pulls ahead of Big Easy and wins. And then Jody pulls ahead of who was it was Jody and Robin at the end for the women. Yeah. Jody pulls ahead of Robin and coast to the finish. Yeah, significant improvement. Oh, sorry. Significant improvement for Eric uh, from the last raft mission on Fresh Meat. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> no kidding. Hey, you know what? Here's a question. Does anyone really think CT ever used the kiteboardy one? Um, good question. I would probably have just... wagered probably it wound up on eBay. Is my is my guess? Yeah, that, that's probably not a bad guess. I, I'm not. I'm actually a fan of the flippers. By the way, I like to see those brought back in. We get into the selection. Robin tells Beth, or Robin tells Brad. Well, it, it comes down to who is it? Brad's the last person to. I don't know what it is. Is they get into the selection, and partway through the selection, Robin tells Brad to pick Beth in the selection because they don't want Beth to be left until the end. Because Robin knows that if Beth makes it to the end, Beth will then take Robin into elimination, and they don't want that to happen. So it comes down to Big Easy having to decide between Anissa and who else? Svetlana. Svetlana to go into elimination. And Anissa, or Big Easy picks. He picks Anissa, and Svetlana goes in. Svetlana goes in, and then Svetlana decides to go in against out of nowhere. This is so random. This is so weird. So out of nowhere, after we were like visually shown that, that Svetlana and Beth have an alliance with each other. Svetlana decides that she wants to go in against Beth. Not, not only someone that she is, we were told in an alliance with, but the strongest com- female competitor on the show in most missions and some she's not but overall that's probably the person that people are the women are most afraid to go in against into elimination she decides to go against her and i I think i'd rather go in against beth and most than jody in elimination yeah i don't know dude do you think you all right so who do you think is going to win uh the uh who do you think is going to win pole dance beth or jody 
Well, Beth probably wins pole wrestle. All right, who do you think is going to win? Uh, I don't. You, I'm sorry. Who do you, no. Who do you, no, no, who, no. Who do you think? Is, I, I, I think I think Beth's going to win that too. Let, let's get through this real quick. So who do you think is going to win? Uh, push. What is it? Push me over. Push me. Yeah, um, I would go Beth. It's probably going to be Beth, right? So who do you think is going to win? Um, I can Beth or Jody. Jody. I mean, that one's just such a draw. Maybe Jody. No, I don't think so. Beth's going to win that. She's stronger than Jody. And then who do you think? There, at least I think so. And then who do you think is going to win a sender? Probably Jody. I want Jody wins a sender. So I think I don't like. No, 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 no. To me, a sender is who can put the puzzle together. Because even if you're a minute behind climbing, if the person is a terrible puzzle person, which Jody doesn't exactly strike me as a great puzzle person, at least the way she's pretty easy tangram. Yeah, yeah. I, I would I would put my money on the smarter person, and I think so. Beth I think like Nehemiah, tor- I think there's a I think it's pretty even. They're pretty evenly weighted. Like Nehemiah torches Kenny on the um, getting the puzzle when they go against each other. So I think that three out of the four for me personally, I think she's able to beat Jody. So that's that for me. That's why it's so shocking that Svetlana decides to but go it's, against. It definitely Beth is shocking. It may, it may if I'm Svetlana, even though she is near and dear to my heart. I'm picking Kina based on size because three of the four are based on strength. Size. Exactly. And that's what we get here when Svetlana draws the card and it's push me an elimination that we haven't seen yet. And Beth just smiles because it's, it's push me and it sounds like their size will come into play. And Beth is infinitely bigger than Svetlana. Not like in a bad way. It's just like Beth just looks bigger. like she is stronger and Svetlana looks like a stick. Like how, yeah. how tall do you think Beth is? That's a good question. Well, she's I don't, probably, she looks like she's like about as tall as maybe a little bit shorter than Wes, right? I don't know. I I mean, this, like, this what, challenge what, is like comes down minutes. to weight. She's not short. Let's put it like that. Push. I mean, she's really, not short that, for the challenge at least. Like the thing that's the thing people always seem to overlook with the challenge. But most of these guys are pretty short. I think we talked about this. Last we time. talked about this. Last yeah, we talked talk about this a lot, but like, I, I don't think she's that tall, but she's taller than most of the challenge people. at least. Yeah. I, and, and in a situation like this, it's like, hey, Beth is definitely just by looking at her stronger than Svetlana. There's only one game of the four where I would want to go against Beth if I'm Svetlana and that's a sender. I mean, and even that's a crapshoot because of the puzzle. So every other thing, it's like I can. Beth is stronger. Push push me or whatever it's called. Beth is going to be stronger. Uh, pole wrestle. Definitely don't want to do pole wrestle against Beth if I'm Svetlana. So, like, it's a weird choice. So we find out what, what Push Me is. Go ahead. Sorry. What does Beth do now as, like, her job? I think she, like, works in production in Los Angeles, or at least she – I know she had a kid at some point, but I remember vividly there was a season of the challenge – and I think Mark Long was on it, and it was one of the early ones. It might have even been the very first one, or it was one of the ones after that. And they went and visited Beth in L.A., and she was working for a production company. Okay. So my hunch would be she's still working in production somewhere in L.A. if she's still working. Well, so I just looked at Beth Solarchik height, and I couldn't find anything. But I found her net, like her listed net worth, and it is definitely wrong. <laughs> it, was listed, it was listed at $64 million. Yeah, it might be a little off. All right. That gets us into the elim- elimination for episode. What episode are we on? Eight. Uh, eight. Episode eight called Push Me. 
and this is the last elimination that we have not seen. And there's a bar suspended parallel to the ground about three feet high that branches out from a pivot point in the ground that is centered in the middle of the bar. Contestants will stand at opposite ends of the bar and pushing in the same direction, try to retrieve a flag a few feet in front of them. And because the bar is on a pivot point, as you try and push forward against the bar, it will your fo- force your opponent to move backwards. So this is really you pushing pushing against your opponent um, to try and retrieve the flag. Once you get to the flag, everyone pay attention here, you must unclip the flag because this is about to come up multiple times from now until the end of the season. Unclip the flag from the carabiner and not rip the flag off the carabiner. If you rip the flag off, you will automatically be be DQ'd. The first person to retrieve their flag wins unless you rip the flag off the carabiner. And let's just get to it right now. Well, now I'll do a, a brief preface so this actually lasts quite quite a bit of time it lasts 30 minutes it's a complete stalemate until Svetlana pretty much can't last any longer Beth goes up to retrieve the flag and as she's retrieving the flag Svetlana is still kind of just like bumping up against the um the bar and as she's trying to unclip the flag from the carabiner it rips off of the carabiner and she is automatically DQ'd and so the analogy that I thought of throughout the course of the day as I reflected back on this moment and the moment that will happen between Brad and CT later on in the season is that this is the equivalent of when the NFL had the most complex rule imaginable for what constitutes a catch, right? And it gets to the point where you're not actually measuring someone's inherent skill. You're not measuring the skill that you want to reward someone for right so here you want to reward someone based off of their actual physical strength that's like the predominant part of this challenge and what you end up rewarding someone for is their ability to unclip a flag from a carabiner and i don't think that that's what you want to promote on the show how is Stella able to hang around so long i don't know it's a good question she does a really good job here I don't. I don't really know. And is it just Beth isn't using her legs enough, or what do you think? Uh, I think uh, Beth was just trying to tire Svetlana out. Yeah, Svetlana was Why? trying to do the work, and that's that's the smart way to do this too. That's the really smart way to do this, and we see it's people. What and I don't know Frank if Beth intentionally did, did this. It's in what the Frank did in three. the Gauntlet Three. Exactly. This is when yeah, Frank goes against. Who does Frank go against? He goes against MJ. Yeah. He goes against MJ, who everyone pretty much the, the consensus would, would be that him. exactly. And what you want to do in these is you pretty much want to just position yourself in the sand, get somewhere where you can be comfortable and just wait and wait until the other person is dog tired. And then that's when you go against them. I think when you're this much bigger, though, I'd almost rather if you can just push them out of the way, maybe she can't. And that's what it is. I mean, but that's you the can thing, just though. Move them. I think you just move them. But you don't want to tire yourself out to where you put yourself in a bad situation. That's the thing. Like, Beth waited until Svetlana was tired 10 minutes in before she made her move, and that was the smart thing to do. Well, I think if you wait that long, you're just leaving so much chance for something weird to happen. And I have found Beth on LinkedIn. She is still a producer in L.A. Hmm. I would assume net worth not $64 million. Definitely not $64 million, but she's still working and doing stuff. So, like, she is apparently still successful in what she does. And, I mean, there's so many shows and web series now. 
like you can make a solid living producing if you have the right connections and do the right stuff. Yeah, sixty-four million is a lot of money. The thing is, like, you can get like a few breaks that go your way, and you can get like a couple of million dollars. Sixty-four million dollars is a ton of fucking money. <laughs> like, like, dude, like, like sixty-four million. Like most professional athletes, like, like most first-round picks in the NBA, make nowhere close to sixty-four million dollars. And they're in the lifetime of their careers. Yeah, in the lifetime of their careers. Wes talks about after the elimination. After the elimination, he talks about how he lost two members of Alliance in back-to-back rounds. And that's pretty much all that we get before we go into Episode 9. Before the challenge in Episode 9, Wes tells DM that he thinks that he's going into the next duel. They talk about how, speaking of life-changing amounts of money, or how much people, <laughs> what constitutes a lot of money. Wes talks about how $150,000 is life-changing money. And I think that's a quote that he says. And about how... I think, I think it to, probably is for these guys. I don't think so, dude. $150,000? What year is this? 2006. <sighs> and like like we said, dude, we got a lot of Chico State education here. So I don't know what their prospects are. Evan yeah, put the challenge point. in the best perspective on one of the old Derek podcasts. He said the challenge in this era is a good month because the challenge at this point lasted about four weeks and so if you can make $150,000, that basically sets your year. And then whatever you do the rest of the year is what you live on. And so yeah. like the challenge season is not life changing, but it will make your year to propel you to whatever you want to do next. If That's you're a smart. good point. 150K is a lot of money to you guys. I mean, Wes used it to buy the yogurt shop, which eventually yeah. led to him starting his own beta blocks thing. So like. If you're smart with it, you can do something with it. But I'm not exactly thinking that a lot of the people that won this money did smart things with it. So after taxes, because this is taxed like a game show, this probably comes out to like you probably get, I was about to say you get 60 percent of what you won. After let's taxes, say, like, 80, let's say, like 85. Let, let's say it's one hundred thousand dollars. Right. So one hundred thousand dollars in a year. Like, I mean, Rob, this is something that I that, that is something that's like easily attainable. Right. To, to make uh, for, in like a yeah. salary. Very easily attainable. And. Yeah, I don't know. Like, if it's kind of du- like if I was. About, like, dude, if you could double your year's salary for a year, just like 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 snap your fingers and double it for a year, that's still like a lot of more extra money. I mean, that's the thing. Nice. Is that's the way I think about it is the fact that like, hey, if I was offered to go on the challenge and I won't be. So let's just let's pretend I would be in some random universe. I've got faith, Trace. I would, unless they do a fan season, that I have zero chance, especially at age. I'm about to turn 36 here in a month, so there ain't no way I'm getting on the show. When they bring Beth back on, you guys can be a pair on like a fan. Oh, no, please. I would rather be with Anissa. No, no. There was, I feel like I saw a commercial a while ago, or within the last, during War of the Worlds 2, the most recent season of the challenge. There was a like post that they made for a casting call in the middle oh, of yeah. the Spartan race. No, no, you had to go. Ra- you had to go to the Spartan race and interview, and then you had to finish enough at the Spartan race to get considered. So, like, I really do think that there will be a fan on the show, but it will be like one person who's in really good shape. No, like, it'll be like an it'll be like a quote unquote influencer. They won't couch the yeah. fan. CrossFit dad bod trace ain't getting on the show. Like I'm in good shape, but I, I am not gonna be the type of person they cast, period, unless they specifically do like a champs all stars, but it's champs versus fans type deal. But uh, let's, they pretend, have, 
let's pretend for a second I would get cast. Let's say my show up fee is ten grand. Like after taxes. Oh, you get more. You get more than ten grand, man. To just show up as a nobody, I would be shocked if I got more than ten grand. Well, dude, but they make so much money just to show up nowadays. Like anybody. But I'm a nobody. Like we have. What do you think the minimum is? What's the minimum? I think the I think the minimum is like twenty five now. I would have said that if I am if I'm big T, I'm getting paid twenty five grand to show up. I don't think she's getting more than twenty five. Well, either way, I would take a sabbatical from work because I can take up to two months off with no pay, with no repercussions at my job. If I was cast like that, it my show up money would cover my bills while I'm gone and take care of my family. So like I would go and even if I got because you get like a nominal fee for every episode you're in of like fifteen hundred bucks. And so like between the show up money, the nominal fee, and if somehow I make it to a final and I get some money, like that money is going to pay off something of my debt or my house or put a college fund for my daughter. Like to me, it would be worthwhile to go on the show, even if I'm gone week three, just from the money, I would make more money in three weeks than I would in my three weeks at my current job. And I make somewhat decent money. So like to, it's worth it, which is why we joke about Mark Long a lot. It's like he says he won't come back, but it's like the amount of money Mark Long would get to show up, and the fact is, is he'd probably make the final because of his political well, he, Yeah, he'd at least make a bunch of deals that would give him some money from the final. Yeah, like he's going to make enough money that it's worth him taking two months of non-paid time off to do the show. He'd have a slice of Rogan and CT's paycheck if he did the past of season. Of course he would. And if he's working with Bananas and Bananas somehow makes it to the end, you know, they they already cut a couple deals in the past. So, you know. I, I really think that's the main reason they don't want to have him on. What, so, all right. So why do you think this is some – so why do you think if he would do it now, other people don't currently do it now? What do you mean? So you say that Mark Long would come on right now and cut p- deals with people, and that's why they don't want him on the show. So if you think that he would come on and I, I do that, other people are cutting think, deals. They, are you you think they are? Oh, I yeah, totally 100%. think they are. They, they, they just aren't. Oh, well, then why would it. why would they care if he came on and did that then? If other so people do it, about it, he's blatant. He's super blatant about oh, it. Oh yeah, I would say he's blatant, and in terms of like. They would have to – I mean I know Bear is really expensive, but Bear actually probably brings them enough viewers that like it's worth the hundred grand they pay him to show up. But is Mark Long worth the hundred grand to show up? And I would I say know. no. I don't think he would be for their um, – in terms of just actually adding money for what they bring in from the show. And- I, like, I think he's worth maybe 25K to show up, and that's just because uh, I like – He's worth 25, but he's not worth 100. He's not worth 100, so it's kind of like if I'm Buna Murray, I look at the, the, the money, and I would say, okay, I could pay Mark Long 100 grand, or I'm going to pay Bear 100 grand. I'm going to pay Bear. Like think about it. Like, someone like Jordan is probably cheaper than Mark Long. Of course he yeah. is. And here's the other thing, too. Like, the last season Mark Long did with Battle of the Exes, I mean, he had some good confessional moments, and he had, like, one or two good challenges. But the majority of that season was built around Bananas and CT. And then the Paula Ty romance. Like, that was the show that yeah, season. Yeah, ba- Battle of the Exes is a low-key bad season. And so, I like, like a, I like the not season. A, I'm not I actually a fan. really love the season. But like Mark Long, going on that you could have swapped Mark and Mark and Robin for several other teams, and it doesn't change the outcome of that show. 
Before the challenge in episode nine, we get the conversation between Wes and DM, life-changing money. Jody tells Derek that she wants to see him win. This means Derek is going home. <laughs> we also find out that it's Derek's birth or DM's birthday. And that's about all that happens before we get to the challenge. And the challenge for today is called pole dance. And there are two phases to this challenge. And the first phase contestants will be divided into two teams. The sound of a horn, each team will race to retrieve a flag that's on top of, I would say a 15 to 20 feet pole. Um, yeah, the top of a 20 foot wooden pole to make it more difficult. The pole has been greased up with what looks like, I don't know if it's Crisco or lard. It, it looks like it's pretty difficult, but the winning team will then move on to the second phase. And the second phase is a race through the sand dunes, the setting of this challenge. And at the final part of the race, there is a large steep hill that they have to run up. And the hill is kind of covered with this like blue mat. That's almost like a slip and slide yeah, to, make like it more, to make. Yes. It, it, I, Probably exactly what it is, but it's essentially just tries to make it more difficult for them to run up the side of the hill. And the first male and female that finish that phase of the challenge will win the challenge for that day. And today is a male dual day. Correct me if I'm wrong. It is a male male dual day. day. And CT and Easy are the captains. And... I don't even really know if there's anything to say about phase one. It's just, so it's, it's CT West and Evan are on one team. DM, um, Stetlana and Robin are on also on that team of CT. And that's the team that wins. Yep. We get to the second part, the race and DM is behind to start. She ends up pulling ahead. We get some comments from people that she's a good endurance runner and, she is able to win the challenge on her birthday and the race between the men is Wes, Evan and CT. And they're all around the same point when they get to the blue mat, when they have to finish and run up the side of the hill and Evan ends up winning. And that's about it. I don't know. These are this this wasn't like an incredible challenge, but it was still like somewhat compelling to watch. It's not like some I, of the I challenges like we, yeah, it's, it's not like some of the challenges in previous seasons where they're absolute duds. At least at this point, we have like good competitors com- competing directly against each other. Yeah. There's no time trials, which I, which I am a big fan of. Everybody's competing at once. That's a variety of tasks. And that's the thing too, is like, we've talked about how stacked this cast is, but like these final competitors that we're at right now, Aside, I mean, Big Easy's not exactly a pushover because of his size, but the rest of the men are Evan, Wes, Derek, and Brad. I mean, and they're all pretty much at their peak, too, you would say. Yep. Yeah. And on the women's side, you've got Jody, Svetlana, Kina, Robin. Like, from this era of the challenge, that's also pretty stacked. So, like, this is a pretty like competitive thing, even if the challenge is kind of lame at times. Who's the second best female competitor on this cast? Like, I would say Jody's kind of clearly number one. Then, or DM. I would have said. It's funny because each are so specialized, right? Like Svetlana uh, and DM are so much more like the smaller runner types. 
And like Anissa or Beth are would be hard to beat in any elimination, but you definitely wouldn't want them for a final. Yeah, and then like I would. Keenan and Robin would fit somewhere in between. Yeah, they're yeah, in the middle for sure. It might be Beth and Jody. I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah, we I agree with you, Ralph. We I never agree. saw Beth run a final, so like it's hard to really say. Yeah, I don't know. It's we also don't have to do many like utility type tasks. Like it's all pretty simple stuff. The one thing I will say about this challenge is as we kind of fast forward towards the end of it, when it's Evan, West, and CT in the final piece of it, this challenge was pretty physically exerting because all three of them were pretty Oh, they're dead. dying. I mean, like yeah. they were hurting. Like I'm watching it as we're speaking right now, and they are sucking wind and stopping trying to get up the hill. And I mean, it it's really something to see Evan find that extra gear and dig his toes in and get up the top of this sand dune. Like it's impressive to watch. Which makes it even crazier because this is on the same day as the duel. So I think Wes does his huge run and then competes against Derek in the pole wrestle. That's just that's crazy. Like and Brad even mentions it while they're running, like, hey, good thing we can actually keep our fuel in case we end up having to go in. Yeah, Wes, like, it's amazing. Like, after the the women are still trying to go, and Diem almost got up there and then slides back down, and you see Wes in the background just walking off, and he just looks dead on kind his feet. He just kind of, like, sits on the side, yeah. It's pretty unreal to see how tired they all are. We get to the selection process, and the last few women that are left are Anissa Robin and Svetlana. And Wes tells them at a certain point to not worry about picking between him and who's the second to last male left. It's uh, Brad tells them not to worry about picking between Wes and Brad and just to vote him anyway. Go ahead. Well, just going to say, I think easy was around two when they were talking about that. They will no, no, it was between Brad and Wes at that point. Easy had already been picked. The last two were uh, Wes and um, Brad. And, so Wes is guaranteed to go into the elimination. He decides that he wants to go against Derek. TJ comes over with the elimination cards and Wes draws pole wrestle. And this is here we go. Easily, easily, easily top five best eliminations in the show's history. If it is I, not, if it is not the best, it is easily top three. Yeah, I was going to say number one for a while. I would have said like this, this is the number one elimination in the history of the show. So I don't know. I think the right. one between I think the one between Joss and Derek is better. That, that one, one's just so, I disagree. That one is different to me. I disagree. Yeah, that one's so edited to crap that it's really you know, like, hard. He comes in as a mercenary, so he's not actually in the game. Like this one is awesome too because it's so relevant to the game. Like Wes ends up winning the season after this. Yeah. So like, I think the. What about this is another one of like personally one that I love is Johnny, even Johnny. even with if you if you watch it without the knowledge of what actually happened, Johnny and Tyler versus CTM Adam. Oh, that, that one's awesome, too. It's just that one is an that. amazing it's just, elimination, it's, it's but, you know, Adam threw it. So yeah, it, it's just it, we don't know that. But we, where did I, we, I am so confident he threw it. Why? Where did where do we get? So like I. The only reason that I now think that is because of how confident Rob is about this. And I don't know if I've ever asked Rob where he actually heard this. So there, there's multiple reasons. I, it wouldn't just be one thing for me to be that confident. So CT mentions explicitly on multiple podcasts that not after me, but multiple podcasts after that, that he believes really strongly Adam through it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Evan has mentioned cutting deals with Adam in the past on multiple podcasts, and you would imagine that Johnny and Kenny would be involved in a deal with Cut with Adam as well. And you Adam have, was like the like. There's a story of um, Evan, Kenny, and Johnny and Adam having a hotel room together, and them charging like two thousand dollars worth of room service to a car yeah, that. that Adam's on. And it's like Adam wants to be the cool kid so bad. All right, so none he of would n- do anything to be the cool kid. There's also there's the, no, the none of this is two. none of this is coming up to snuff so far. Do, do we have <laughs> any more? Also, on the reunion of the season, we'll, we'll, if, um, do you have the reunion of that season, Trace? I do. Okay, there's a clip where CT mentions Adam not throwing a deal, and Johnny makes a face, clearly indicating he threw a deal. Like it's just like I, I can't describe it, but like it's, and watching it's, Adam at the end of the of the thing where like they're both on the final ball and Adam is somehow all of a he's sudden diving into the ground and CT is literally with one hand mm-hmm. hauling him up the hill. It's like, yeah, I ain't buying Dude, that Adam's trying the, that hard. The part where CT goes in there and pretty much like blows them up is incredible. <laughs> Oh my god! Before the elimination, too, it is him hyping Adam up is pretty crazy. Oh my god! It's so cool. It's that's why I say this one is number one. That one is number two. And and then when and then at the end of the challenge, too, when Tyler and Johnny are like on the ground and everyone comes like racing over to congratulate them and the the music that they're playing in the background, it's it's a good one. Laurel Ninja might actually have to be up there too now, by the way. Yes. No. Yes. Yes. Dude, no, come no, on. No, 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 no. The shenanigans of that elimination are that's part of it. That's all, that's all part of it, man. Competitiveness of that isn't that. Yeah, yeah the competitiveness was really good. I will too. say, really though, cool. Laurel Suck It is probably the best suck it in the history of reality TV. Like, it is dude, dude, For her to do the cross grab and then to have the, like, her victory overruled, that, that's so top tier. Yeah, dude. That's all right. So, the <laughs> rival, rivals after this one, rivals uh, in no particular order. And at some point, I'm sure we'll come up with we'll do a podcast. There will be a top six episode where we talk about top six at some point. So right. Rivals one. Laurel versus Ninja. Wes versus Derek. Do you what's another one that's just like clear cut like this is there? Well, you said Derek versus Joss. You think it's up there? I I think so. I think it has to be. I think it's it's overrated. I think if that that one's up there, then CT see. Well, Johnny versus Tyler with CT coming and probably has to be up there. Do that. Yeah, I agree. If you you include that, the backpack moment really is iconic. I mean, it really it's for the long for the longest time. That was like one of the biggest moments in the show's history. It still is. Oh yeah. No, it's well, still no is. one at that point thought CT would ever be on the show again after he tried to murder Adam. Like the cast basically revolted when he got cast again and said, no, we're not coming if CT's there. So no one actually thought he would be on the show again. And so when he showed up and it was also the first time they ever did mercenaries. So there's a lot of craziness in that elimination. I have- think, do you think then Kendall like this is definitely not a sh- shenanigans elimination, but Kendall Leah on the Inferno? Oh, I love that elimination. Oh, it's so I, good. That's that's probably in the top ten. I don't. That's not one that like. It's not competitive. It's entertaining. You, it's not one that you like hear and you're like, yeah, it's in. I don't so know. I have, it's pretty crazy, man. You I have the Miz screaming. You've got David Furkey to the Inferno naked. Like, well, there's so much going on. I I have one more that I think both of you are going to say, yeah, that that's probably in. What, 
Yes. I, I, there was one more I was going to mention. Uh, it was Jordan and Marlon versus Ty and Leroy. I was going to say yeah. the Rachel elimination. That one's pretty Island. awesome. <laughs> no, I was going to say – so the one that I was going to say is Brad versus Landon in Duel 2. Um, that yeah, one that was some, that's so a good. scary one though. Yeah, oh, but, but that's part of it. Awesome. You know what I mean? That adds to that. That that's part of the element. The fact that Brad that one's not as clear cut as much as the other ones to me. But I, I agree with something. There's there's so many good eliminations. So I think I think those five, the, the the five that we pretty much rattled off immediately, like those are in the Hall of Fame. So the the two mercenary ones, and then Laurel Ninja, this one, and uh, C T Adam, Johnny Tyler. Other yeah. here's a here's a wild card that I think's an underrated one. Oh, C J versus uh, Zach oh, from Battle of the Seasons two with Hall Brawl. Like the issue with that one is you also have Sam and Jasmine involved there, and Thurus is just so non competitive and. I, I you don't can't care. have one without. Well, yeah, but you can't have one without the other there, though. DJ, uh, that's why it's not a top three. But just the CJ versus Zach of that was phenomenal. Like it People really bring was. that one up a lot. But that one's more of like a B plus, A minus to me than an absolute yeah. B plus like these ones. Yeah. Now we're drifting towards ones that are like really good. Like this one, the reason this one I think for me is the best one because I don't think there's any bones you can pick with this one. Yeah, and I think for all of the ones in the top five, like, I don't know, you may be, uh, I don't know, like, I don't well, know. If the this two mercenary be... ones, you can point out the mercenary chicanery that you. To don't me, like. I don't, I don't right. really care about that though. It's still a good elimination. For, I for me, sum... I not nah, did lessen it a little bit. I will sum this up the best way that I can for this. This is the best one-on-one elimination with no shenanigans involved. It's just one-on-one banging, and best man wins. Yeah, so this I wonder how long this goes on in real time. Well, it's eight minutes of a twenty-one minute episode. Yeah, so I mean, I wonder how many. This is over a third of the episode. Yeah, and so also I I wanted to make sure that I pointed this out. Does anyone notice what Derek is wearing? It's eighteen minutes and change. Eighteen twenty-nine is the is the time of the total elimination. So Uh, what's he wearing? Let's see. Either of you. Um, I guess the bandana. Was there something weird about the bandana? He's wearing that, Mark Long's bandana. The, I think it might be the Mark Long bandana. It is the Mark. Oh, Long that bandana. would be that would be crazy. The that Mark Long. It. It's the red Mark Long bandana. And I, I I'm looking I was, at it right now. He's doing dog tags too, which I think is weird. Do you, didn't he? No, I was going to say, didn't he do like an elimination in like Jinko jeans once? But I think he took them off yeah. before the elimination actually happened. <laughs> he did. He did. I, mean, I thought Cyrus did. It wasn't Cyrus wearing some wacky outfit in an elimination. Dude, you know that you're in the early stages of the challenge when people are still doing daily missions in jeans. Or when, well, yeah, and you got Katie smoking cigs in elimination. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that an all-time challenge elimination too? No, but I mean, then you—if you, you want to include that, then you have to include Shane versus CT drinking cookie or drinking milk and eating cookies on a merry-go-round. I, I think think the shoot the, the sig is better. The end of the first inferno is really good. Yeah, I remember it has like its moments. It has its moments. I don't think the flow would, I don't think the overall flow of the inferno is as good as the top few moments you can pick out. That was the conclusion we came to is like we went into the season like, yes, this is the first good season because we had just watched seasons and Battle of the, the Sexes one. And then we got done with it and we're like, ah, I went in thinking it was an A and it was really more of a B. Did we give grades for 
fresh meat, or did we just forget no, I that? Think we gave. Well, I mean, we also gave our overall season rankings, but I think we yeah, did. we didn't do the letter grade on fresh meat. But I every other season we've done, we've done letter grades. Quickly, everyone, letter grade on fresh meat. Robert, we're all over the place here. I, th- oh, I had this like a, I had this like a B minus B. I had this as a B as well. I'll go B too with the match. All right. So back to the elimination. This is, I think we've all pretty much suggested as much. This is one of the most hard fought eliminations in the show's history. And Wes pretty much abruptly wins. And after he wins, both of them lay down in the middle of this uh, dual circle and just pretty much are ready to pass that, out. That's there. an all time challenge shot too, of the two of them like staring yeah. at yeah. the sky. They're and both just the, like, but- the emotion of both of them after it was over, it was like, we both gave everything we had. And then Wes calls Johanna and is crying on the phone because of how emotional the whole thing was. Yeah, like it, it's funny. It's crazy. Well, we just talked so much about how great the eliminations, but there's really not much you can like cover on it. You just have to watch it. Yeah. yeah and this is easily findable. If you Google it, if you Google Wes versus Derek, the duel, you will find several videos of this. So I would I think highly, the challenge YouTube posted it recently. If if you are a fan of the challenge and you have never seen this elimination, and even if you have seen it, go back and watch it again. It is yeah. that good. I, I, I watch it semi-frequently. The aftermath is also that good. Like literally watch from the start of the elimination to the end of the episode. It is phenomenal. I would Derek say is- there's two YouTube videos that I watch the most often. It might be this one and then Oh, this is going to sound so weird. So there's a video of a 73-year-old woman who was hiking in Arizona, and she gets injured and has to be, like, medevaced by a helicopter. Have you guys seen this video? No. I'm still stuck on the mermaid thing from a while ago, so I'll <laughs> let you keep going. Well, so she gets medevaced by this helicopter, and it's like she's in like one of those red sleeping bag-looking arrangements where they, they have a helicopter that's holding it down from the bottom. But there was some malfunction, so the sleep mag starts to spin, and it gets like faster and faster, and eventually <laughs> it's going like 170 miles per hour. Like the one that she she's been like that for like a good six minutes. The one that I probably watch the most is, or have watched the most, is the Leonard Fournette highlight reel from when he was at LSU. It is absolutely really? insane. Oh my god, dude! I'll send it to you after this. So like. They're like good highlight videos, and then there's this one. Like it's just like a clear cut of. So th- there are two all time great ones. There is the Leonard Fournette one, and then there is also uh, another one that I'm sure is near and dear, close to Trace's heart. The Peter Warwick highlight video is absolutely absurd too. Yeah, when you go back and watch Peter Warwick at Florida State, it really was astounding how good this kid was. I mean, it was it was there was no one in his class and this dude played against Michael Vick in a national championship game. I mean, it it was something. He was I've heard uh well I heard them talk about it on the PFF podcast, but he was really ahead of his time. Like people at that time didn't really like know what to do with him and he would fit much better in today's modern NFL than he did at that point in time. Well, he also got injury prone and he was on the Cincinnati Bengals when they were really shitty, which isn't all that different from today. But I mean, they were really bad at that point and they had really bad quarterbacks. And so like in the NFL, he was a nobody because he had nobody quarterbacks and they didn't know what to do with him. 
Also, really quickly, the, like, uh, the Hakeem Olajuwon faking out David Robinson clips are pretty awesome, too. And, you know, uh, this betrays my age a lot here because I was, you know, in college when there was no YouTube. So we're talking like 03, 04. If you were to no actually YouTube in college, man. Well, YouTube showed up when I was in college, but I okay. remember watching Internet videos when e-bombs world was the best viral video site on the internet and the grape smashing wine thing where like the reporter falls and starts moaning i probably saw that clip eight thousand times the first two or three years on the internet when it was available like it was yeah that's... how much money how much advertising money lifetime do you think the whistle tips video has made google oh god you know what? You know what I would actually say is the video that has made the most money for anyone in the history of the internet is the Rickroll video. Yeah, eh, probably Whistletips is actually. I don't know if many people in my generation know about Whistletips. Yeah, that's 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 an old school one. That that's Devin is literally like halfway between me and Rob. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's he's in a more sweet spot. Uh, if you were to add up cumulative, I guarantee you that Rick Astley's never going to give you up video on YouTube has by far been the most monetized thing in the history of the internet. That's not like a giant conglomerate. So, I just looked up um, what the most watch video of all time on YouTube is, and it's Despacio by. Lewis, I can't even pronounce that name. Lewis Fonzi. Oh, that's Despacito. Ma- oh, yeah. Despacito, God, dude. God. Wow. Despacito. I don't know what the okay. fuck this is. Okay. How the hell did the old guy in the room know what Despacito was and you didn't? That's my the grandmother, dude. who is like 71, plays that song all the time. <laughs> so that doesn't necessarily mean that this made the most money, though. Because uh, yeah, no, that's definitely fair. Because six point six billion views—that's a lot. This is actually my area of expertise, where you can have not all views are created equal. So it's potent possible that this there was another video that had a higher ad rate than this specific video. Like there are like. Uh, websites that exist that have don't have like a ton of views but still make a ton of money because they are specifically centered around like pharmaceuticals or like prescription drugs and the ads that they that are placed on those websites from ad networks are at a much higher rate than like ads that you would see on i don't know like i mean this is way deep in the weeds here but this is how, like, you could arguably say Rolex is the best advertised company in the world because they have a very expensive product that is only advertised in golf, the U.S. Open for tennis, and F1 because the salary of the people that watch those events is astronomically higher than any other sport in the world because as popular as the NFL is in America, you have to take into account the fact that golf, tennis, and F1 are way more popular worldwide. So, like, you could argue that Rolex has the best advertising of any product in sports. All right. Back on the rails. Derek, (laughs) after the elimination, says, and I've had moments like this that Derek has at this point. He's going home, didn't win again, and he didn't even make it close to the end this time. And he pretty much says that he needs to reevaluate what he's going to do with his life. (laughs) And... 
Rob already, one of you mentioned it earlier, but Wes is shown on the phone talking to Johanna crying and is pretty much just like physically and emotionally depleted from what he just went through as was Derek, which starts episode 10. And before that weird start, weird start to this episode. This is a weird start. I get get your club scenes in somewhere. There's nothing like drunken racism in one bucket that just makes for a weird thing. Like it's just not a good look on anybody. This is really bad. Everyone is at the club. Um, they start to build the narrative of how drunk Robin was that night when they were at the club and everyone is back at the house after they went to the club and Robin drops the bomb, uh, speaking to Anissa and says, Anissa, you confuse the fuck out of me. Anissa, if you're gay, lesbian, straight, black, white, Puerto Rican, Portuguese, pick something. And we have to put an advisory before that one, honestly. Yeah, dude. I don't think it's an advisory. I think it's just like this is where Robin's character went over the edge to batshit insane, and she stays batshit insane for the rest of her challenge career. Yeah, this is what we do a good job of portraying this too. I don't think they do a good job at all in this scene, actually. I think they do. I I think they do pretty good. What 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 do you have objection to? I think they don't do like I just don't think they address the issue appropriately. I think they do because pretty much like ev- everyone universally speaks out against Robin. So guess, Brad yeah, does. That, that's true. Brad does and says pretty much says even though he goes back on what he says later later on, he says that he pretty much has nothing to do with her. Wants nothing to do with her, and this is someone that was on. They were on the same original Real World season in San Diego, and then Anissa. And uh, or CT, who Kina was it? Says it was, something it's too. Evan. Kina has a long confessional. Yeah, um, Kina. Kina has a very long confessional where she's like says that she's completely more. And this is immediately after um, Robin saying this, where she's completely mortified by what Anissa just said. And then DM and Evan go up to Anissa and console her after this, and let Anissa speak and talk about how she actually feels and. I, they spend the entire time before the challenge talking about this. Mm-hmm. I, I guess now looking back, it's not as bad. One thing too to point out is all of the people who are going like speaking out against Robin in the situation are people who were like traditionally aligned with her too. Correct too. That's a very good point. Because it's and like Kina and it's Robin and it's Brad. And it's Evan. Evan. Like Evan is. DM, sorry, I mean, yeah. Evan and Anisa, to my knowledge, have never had any other on-screen like interaction other than this moment of him comforting her. Like I've never that I can remember thought about him comforting her. And then even bug eye Brad, cause Brad goes bug eye here ranting peak about bug her. eye. Yeah. Like this is like peak bug eye drunk. Brad. This is, this is righteous. While Brad, he's holding like, his crotch, one. by the way, which is also pretty hysterical while he's ranting. So the next day, Anissa goes to confront Robin while she's still in bed, hung over from the night before because I'm sure she was probably blacked out when this happened or close to it or probably browned out. But Anissa talks to her and Robin makes the interesting choice of not immediately saying that she's sorry and that like she was drunk and that like she just kind of like in the the blanket. So she doesn't even come out. Yeah. Well, she, she like, she doesn't immediately apologize, which is what she should have done. Right. She should immediately have said, I screwed up. Like that was terrible of me to say, I feel 
completely awful for what I did to you. And instead, she almost like tries to like defend herself a little bit. Oh, you she know what tried I mean? to justify it. And, and it was like, what are you doing? Yeah, it's, just, it's, it's not a good look at all. This is a real bad. Like, this, this is, it's honestly bordering on Camilla from Dirty 30. Like, it's really bad. It is bad. It's that they bad. Do, I'm glad, though, that they do give time for Anissa to like talk about how she actually feels and why this is a difficult subject for her. And she talks about how no one knows what it's like to walk in her shoes and be who she is and how that she's even uncertain with who she is at certain points. And I think this is probably um, the best that they could have done with a not great situation. Yeah, I, I guess looking back on it, it wasn't as bad. I, I think they actually do a, do a decent job looking back at it now. Yeah. And that's um, the thing is like, I've made jokes about her being the cockroach of the challenge just from that standpoint of the way she plays the game and how she does. But like from a personal standpoint, you know, watching this again, it's like, it really kind of is a gut check of her as a person of like hearing her, like it, there are very few authentic moments in reality TV. Okay, like a lot of stuff is very, I wouldn't say manufactured, but it's manipulated in some way. And so like, exactly. And so like the West reaction after the Derek elimination is super authentic. And Anissa's reaction to this whole situation is extremely authentic, extremely real and extremely raw. And so like from a standpoint of the show showing the conflict and showing the lack of remorse from Robin and then showing Anissa kind of open up about who she is a little bit and admit her vulnerability. Like it's honestly a really cool moment. And so I really appreciate everything that kind of happened here. So I'll it's stop. It's funny because there is kind of a turn here though, just in general in the tone of the show. Cause it was pretty campy up until the midpoint, you would say it could be like the rafty run and stuff. But at this point from here on out, I'd actually say it's pretty like emotionally intense. I mean, it, you have one, you got one wonky mission coming up here, but that, after that, yeah. Yeah, the rest of the show from this point forward is pretty emotional because you have the first like CTDM kiss, like you have all kinds of game stuff happen. So like this really, I think you're right, Rob, this really was kind of the turning point of the season where it went from fun and campy to like pretty real from this point forward. That starts the challenge for episode 10 called Dine and Dash. Demon Svetlana are the captains because Svetlana won the last duel for the for the women and DM won the last challenge for the women. And they have a draft. Wes ends up sitting out the challenge because he was not picked. And this challenge will take place in two phases. Phase one, each player will be individually weighed and the combined weight for each team will be added up. Teams will then have 20 minutes to eat as much food as possible of hamburgers, ribs, fries, you name Beans, it. Beans, you name the shit. Soups, they ate it. Like at, the end, at, the end of, at the end of 20 minutes, the team that has gained the most weight will then move on to phase two. And phase two pretty much consists of wind sprints where each player will run to a series of 10 poles, grab a flag off the pole, run back to the start line and deposit the flag in the pole. And this is pretty much them try trying to work as hard as they can to get people to vomit on camera. And (laughs) the person that deposits all 10 flags into their basket first wins. 
the first female that wins is safe from elimination and the first male the first male that finishes gets an NHL ultimate package which was actually pretty cool continuing I would the give theme my of my left nut for this win right continuing here. <laughs> continuing the theme of great prizes um you get NHL center ice you get 25 tickets to games and there were a, bunch, a couple of other like random like add-ons to there so very I good prize for- I pay for it. They also cut to Evan being Canadian with this one where they're like, oh, Evan would really like that one. He also played hockey and wonder who's running the mission for the guys. Yeah, they kind of telegraphed every bit of that. (laughs) Phase one begins. And if I'm doing this, the strategy that I have is I don't want to eat any like meat, really, because like there's only so much meat you can eat. But when think about like when you've been at your fullest, pretty much right what sounds the worst is like meat or like anything fatty, but then someone brings some ice cream out and you're like, Oh yeah, I could have like a little, I could have like some ice cream. You know what I mean? Or like you can like pretty much like, like just like pick it like fries forever. Um, so it was interesting to see people like go for the ribs and stuff. Yeah. CT and Evan had the right strategy of they got the liquid stuff and like liquid is going to weigh way more than the solids and it's way easier to get it into your stomach. I mean, meat, you have to chew, like anything you can get in your stomach fast and in volume is going to weigh more or like uh, smashing food onto each other. So it's just on your shirt instead of that was like, funny to watch. Like this challenge in the first half is pretty terrible, yeah. but watching CT and Evan throw food at each other and then CT over exaggerating, getting on the scale and showing his belly, like it's all entertaining. So even though it's kind of lame, it's still entertaining to watch. Okay. In Tina. general, are you in or out on food emissions? I'm on the fence. I'm on the fence too, because like if you're eating one or two pieces of super gross things, I'm all in like the survivor eat the live bug kind of thing. I'm all in on that. The, you have to like rivals one's feast that you had to eat. To me, that's just borderline dangerous. And it's a bad look Mm -hmm. because everyone's going to puke 10 times. There's no way that the human body, the the, the rivals two one with like the durian that like they could legit couldn't swallow. Yeah, like stuff like that that's borderline dangerous, like I'm out. Like I think it's irresponsible, but it's the challenge. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, relative, I'm, I'm much more on the outside than the inside for the eating missions. Kina, Robin, DMCT, and Evan are the team that wins phase one. They move on to phase two, and CT beats Evan by a decent amount and in the wind sprints, and DM wins for the women. And we find out that <laughs> Johnny Mosley emerges. Johnny Mosley attack uh, rules uh, <laughs> uh, appears from the shadows. And let's see. T knows that he did not actually win because when he ran the wind sprints, he did not retrieve the flags in the order that they were supposed to be retrieved. He retrieved the last flag first. So he went to the very end of the course, retrieved the flag and then came back. When this you're supposed to go to the first rule. flag. Yep. You had to get the first flag on the first pole first, and then you could do it in any order you wanted. So the like, fact what that is going went, on here, this it's is like, are Johnny, we, are we peak Johnny mostly right here? Are we trying to measure like how athletic and fast people are or are we not? You know what I mean? Like, it seems like well, that's, uh, that's, what's that, that's actually not what's, I don't know if that's what's going on with this, with this specifically with the wind well, sprints. Like, 
dude, like by the end of this thing, like this is one thing about this mission. The difference in the speed of the competitors from the start to the finish is appalling. Or like Tina looks like she's about to just like roll over at any point and just I don't even know. I mean, she's little, and she just stuffed her face with how much food? Like, but I I completely understand what I'm saying, though. I don't think just how fast you are. You have to like be strategic with the food you're eating. I guess. Yeah, I don't know like, because you want to you want to make it onto the second phase though, so you can't really be that. Yeah, but you also have four other people who are doing that too, and the I more mean, they eat, I'm, the easier it is for you. If I'm being yeah, but honest, if, like I'm looking at my team and I'm looking at the other team, and I'm going, Evan and CT are going to out eat anybody else that's here, other than Big Easy. Big Easy and Brad over there. These are not but like Brad. I wouldn't have said Brad would put some food down. I would have said Big Easy could, but not so much Brad. So I'm looking at Evan and CT, and I'm going. All right, I just need to eat enough to get by here because Evan and CT are going to take care of us. How much weight can you realistically gain in eating in 20 minutes? Like maybe, how, what do you think? maybe two to three pounds tops. That is a lot of food, dude. But that's the thing is if you go liquid with it, like you could. I don't know, easily, man. That's a ton of weight. That you're a lot of weight. I, if that I is a chug, lot of weight. I could chug probably two liters of water in 20 minutes and gain two pounds. Man. Maybe for me, it's just with the way I'm built, it's different. But, like, three pounds is a lot of weight. But, oh, yeah. Like, especially yeah. for, like, Kina or something. But, I mean, that you can say the same thing about everybody's body chemistry. You start the day at your actual weight, and as you drink coffee or eat food, like, you gain two to three pounds throughout your day until you go back to bed. Yeah, I guess that's fair. I don't know. I, I just know like it's just funny for people to watch it because like I said at the beginning of the sprint they're actually all they they, they start off booking like they're not logging logging gagging to start but by the end like they're just they're just rolling over. That gets us into the selection for episode ten, and the only interesting that thing that happens in the selection process is that Brad ends up picking Robin despite what he said earlier in the episode. And he makes a comment that said that, yeah, he's not happy with what Robin said and did to Anissa, but he's not going to like completely submarine his game. Um, I was about to say shocking. The game becomes above personal feelings here. Anissa says that she's upset with Brad and it comes down to Wes having to decide between Svetlana and Anissa to go into elimination. Wes decides to keep Svetlana safe. Anissa decides that she, surprise, will choose Robin to go in against the duel. And out of the cards, Anissa draws a sender. We already talked about what a sender is. And Robin was this and Anissa. The first, was this the earliest rival that showed up on the rival season? Uh, well, no, CT and Adam are from Rural Paris. Well, okay, yeah. Their real rival, though, is from Duel Two. <laughs> yeah, but, no, but, from, all, that, all, but they, they had they had they adver- they advertised the Gauntlet Three kind of too, where it was at it didn't yeah CT poured a beer on Adam's head. Remember? Yeah, he did. He did. I, I, I think that. But they long, also long showed long a clip forever. of Real World Paris of like CT shoving Adam and saying he didn't have his back. So yeah, you're probably right. CT Adam was earlier than this one. All right, and like I Johnny Tyler's also. From Key West. Well, Johnny Tyler, no, was from this. Yeah, like Johnny well, and yeah, Tyler. They bring were cool. up a few things, but they say from they say from Key West. Really? 
That, that is what that's what they Having say. seen the well, Key West season, they really didn't have conflict. Their conflict, yeah, but like neither did Marlon and Jordan on Rivals Two. On Rivals Two. All right. Well, yeah, the, I mean, all, uh, Rivals all of that's, Two. Eh. All of that's extremely loose. Um, I was about to say Johnny and Frank were partners because of Twitter. Like Rivals Two, when it comes to the Rivals thing, is a little loose in comparison. We start a sender between Anissa and Robin. Anissa gets an early lead, but nothing major. And Robin really shoots herself in the foot here because when she climbs to the top of the rope and across the monkey bars, she isn't able to get her puzzle pieces to release and can't get them to come down. And I think she says at the end, she doesn't know that there was like some hoop that you had to pull um, to get them to fall. But Anissa wins this, but it wasn't by much. And if Robin actually didn't have an issue with the puzzle pieces, I think she probably would have taken it home. Man, can you imagine what a blow to, like, what, what do you do from an editing perspective if Robin wins this elimination? Yeah. It's brutal, regardless. I mean, there's no... It's a no-win situation from an editing standpoint. You're like, okay, evil wins. Sorry. Yeah, you, you need Anissa to win this one. What's interesting, though, is if you look at the reaction of a lot of the people, it, everyone does look disappointed that Robin lost. Well, for one, a bunch of them are aligned with her. For two, I think it's also just kind of an awkward situation. Yeah, it is. I mean, and that's the thing. Like, what Robin did was horrible, and I'm not backing down from the fact that what she did was horrible. But at the end of the day, it becomes the situation of, okay, who am I aligned with politically? I'm here to win money. And I've, you know, aligned myself with said person to stay safe. So I'm going to look kind of disappointed, but not really. It's kind of, do you think it's odd they kept casting Robin after this? Well, I guess she, when did she appear back up again? Is it Highland? It's not that odd oh, because the three. challenge Gauntlet. loves drama. I mean, dude, if you're yeah, dramatic. The Camilla thing was really she doesn't get casted again because of um, the challenge. All star uh, hit a producer yeah, where she hits that, the producer with the golf. That is really wild looking back on it. Too. The fact that you can say some of the most racist, vile things in the history of the show and that doesn't get you um, kicked off. It's the fact that you hit a producer is what finally was the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah, that, that's why she's in an uninsurable. That's a really, we might have to like do like an episode that it's a bad season, but it's such a wow. It's like Terrell Owens is on it. Dude, the CT burn on Terrell Owens is one of the funniest things in the history of reality TV. In my opinion, where he's like, I didn't burn through a hundred million dollars. And it was like, Oh shit. Yeah. He said it. <laughs> and he called the fact that TO is all talk and, no backup there because he quit the show and went home. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that, that, that season's a mess. And that concludes episode 10. There's not much that really happens. I, th- I think that's pretty much where the, the episode ends. How did we feel about these six episodes? I, I'm in. I, I love these episodes. These are good. I mean, the season as a whole is an A to me if we're going letter grades, but the beginning is excellent. This continues the stories and isn't horrible, but these next set of episodes really bring home how great the season is. And I you have the West Derrick elimination. I mean, shoot, the West Derrick elimination is worth the price of admission for this block of episodes alone. Yeah, I think this is better than the first part set of episodes. I agree. And with that, thank you for listening. 
We appreciate all of the people who subscribe, download, stream, however you find us. We're very grateful. The next podcast episode will be over the last six episodes of The Duel. Thank you for listening and talk to you soon.